It's time for Mac Break Weekly. Andy Yanako's here. Alex Lindsay's here. Jason Snell's here with a binder full of colors because, yes, it's once again time for the Six Colors Quarterly Results Report. Lots of graphs. Apple had a very mixed quarter. Is it good news for Apple lovers? That's the question we'll answer. Also coming up, a very weird email from Tim Cook that might have gotten Apple in trouble with the Labor Relations Board and some admissions from the Apple chip designers about why Apple gaming may still take some time. It's all coming up. That and a lot more next on MacBreak Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is MacBreak Weekly, episode 856, recorded Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. Maybe not. MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by ACI Learning. Tech is one industry where the opportunities outpace growth, especially in cybersecurity. One-third of information security jobs require a cybersecurity cert to maintain your competitive edge across audit, IT, and cybersecurity readiness. Visit go.acilearning.com slash twit. And by ZocDoc. When you're not feeling your best at just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. Just go to ZocDoc.com slash MacBreak. Download the ZocDoc app free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many available within 24 hours. Thanks for listening to this show. As an ad-supported network, we are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. It's time for <laughs> Mac Break Weekly, the show where we cover the latest news from Apple. And thank you, Apple, for keeping your quarterly results, your year-end results, for a week where you have nothing else to do because it keeps us. There was actually somebody <laughs> in our uh, Twit forums at twit.community who said, you know, you, when there's no news, you just shouldn't do a show. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should just he said last week's show was so boring just don't do a show and i said well we could but uh that would break a lot of things jason snell laughing loudly we've always got something to, going on there's right? always like we, can, we can figure something out we find out. something to talk about apple results came out uh you we got know, color stuff? graphs thanks to mr snell we got charts and graphs six colors.com uh, Andy Anako's here. GBH is Andy Anako. He's a Baston <laughs> fan. We got his Baston <sighs> Red Sox hat on it. Not, I'm not taking it personally, but not exactly feeling the love from that comment. I mean, you know, we like we, we, we're 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 your we're your Apple slash Max iPhone slash iPad pals that we, you like to talk to every week. But okay, it's fine. That's kind of what I said to the guy. I said, so hey, close to, so I close said, to Valentine's Day, too. Fine, fine. I said, hey, here's we're, an we're idea. We're going to fight on Valentine's here's Day. Here's an fine. idea. If you don't like it, there's the door. Uh, also, <laughs> no, it was nicer than that. Also here, Alex Lindsay from 090.media and officehours.global, and I owe you a big debt of gratitude. Thank you, Alex, for that what do I do? great mid-journey video you gave Oh, was that, was that okay? Oh, yeah. It was so cool. I've asked Alex, uh, to, and actually, maybe, I guess we could just, we could put it on the show, but you can just watch it. I guess we don't need to add it. Yeah, it's, a, watch it. it's a podcast. You could watch it on Ask the Tech Guys from last week, and I bet you we turned it into a twit bit, did we? 
Yeah. So it so uh, make it a twit bit that way. Alex did about seven minutes on how he uses Midjourney to generate amazing art. Seven minutes, 59, uh, 57 seconds. To so I guess it's really closer to closer eight. Closer to eight, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really great bit, and thank you for doing that. And I'm good. I'm I know behind it. the scenes it was a little bit art of an arduous journey, but uh, well done. Yeah, it was fine. It was good. It was all good. Um, I, I, think, I, I kept on going, I'll record it one more time, and I was like, okay, I just have to, I have to send it, or they're not going to have it. So I just <laughs> Did you redo like, it each time? Oh yeah, man! Yeah, I have a tendency to redo things. Uh, I, I, I know that's why, it's why I do a live show. It's why I do yep. live shows, and I don't do yep. post shows because, wow, do I get caught up in a cycle? Like if, yep. if I have to do a, a three minute video, it might take me a week, and and I, but I can do two hours a day with no problem. <laughs> so. Some writers say that the uh, word processing is the worst thing that happened to writing because now they edit obsessively and never finish. Yeah. And it's the case with uh, with when you're. I, I'm the same way. That's why everything we do is live because yeah. I want it live to. Life to hard drive or whatever. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it when I was recording. I was like, this would have been a lot. Of, when we the original plan was, I would just come on early, and you and I would talk about it, and then and I was like, and then it would be done. <laughs> right. All right. Next time we'll do That's that. I apologize. No, 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 no. It was it was good. It was I, I it came out great. I figured out a bunch of things. Yeah, it's on the I'm Ask the, the Tech Guy show. Yeah. It will be a twitbit uh, down the road. Thank you for doing right. that, Alex. I appreciate it. So. Apple did put out its earnings, and it seemed like a kind of a mixed bag. But I think we have to go to the charts to really uh, understand what happened. <laughs> of course. Go to the charts. Let's go to the charts. Look, you know, those charts don't make themselves. I work hard in the chart mines all day <laughs> making those charts. This is, I like the, I like, I don't know why you chose this as your thumbnail, Jason, but you're looking less, both of you are looking kind of, I don't know, anticipatorially weird. Uh, that's the algorithm. I was lazy and I didn't. Oh, you didn't a do a thumbnail. thumbnail so so there you go. Stream, Jason so and uh, Dan Morin from that's about Six right. Dollars. That's the mood. That's 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 it's your like, Apple results uh, mood this this quarter, which uh, is like, hmm. Uh, hmm uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I think more than ever, this is a Rorschach test of how people want to view Apple. You know, I do that thing. It sure where felt I, like that because some people said, oh, yeah. they beat. Uh, earnings, beat expectations. Oh, it was the worst quarter in 25 years. It was <laughs> yeah, like, I couldn't I, figure it out. I'm amazed. So I watch CNBC like literally 30 minutes a quarter and it's the th the 30 minutes before Apple results come out because I, I just am fascinated because so many people on that on on uh, financial networks and in financial journalism are kind of like they're either in the bag for Apple or they're in right. the bag against Apple. Like there's one or the other and you can see that they're like no matter what happens, one of them's going to say it's good news and one of them's going to say it's bad news. That's a pretty good gig. But the truth <laughs> is both of these things can be true. It was revenue was down 8 percent year over year, which it doesn't happen very often that Apple's revenue goes down, but it was also Apple's second best uh, <laughs> revenue quarter of all time. Yeah. So they had <laughs> a really good quarter in 2022 and that's the problem. And so $117 billion in three months seems so bad compared to... $30 billion, $30 billion in profit. $30 billion in profit. Yeah. Again, besting every quarter except the year over year. Except for the except for that the, the so but what freaks people out is that you know iPhone sales were down eight percent and year over year revenue was down five percent. The truth is Apple said they faced this is the word of the they said it eleven times in an hour on their phone call with analysts the word headwinds. Uh, <laughs> I, I, when you talk I think about at the one headwinds, point, you know Tim Cook even wrong. said like I had the wind in my face. Something yeah, the like macro <laughs> headwinds were just macro. Um, so. The, the headwinds, I mean, the, the best way to look at this is Apple is right on one level. Like iPhone sales look down, but they actually were flat. The, the, if you look at how many they sold, what was down was revenue in U.S. dollars because of 
headwinds, which is their code word for foreign exchange. So basically, exchange if you're rate. standing, yeah, that's yeah, if you're standing in China, if you're standing in China and you're looking at Chinese currency and you look at how many you sold last year at this time and this year at this time for the holiday quarter, sales were up. But if you converted that number, which they probably didn't convert the actual currency, but if you converted that number last year uh, to U.S. dollars and converted it this year to U.S. dollars, it looks down because the, cur- the dollar got stronger. So, right. you know, it's one of those things I don't want to poo-poo it because, like, there is softening here. There's softening in services. There's softening in wearables. There's a bunch of places where um, this was not a record quarter, right? And if you're obsessed with growth like Wall Street is for lots of good reasons, you look at it and go, oh, it's a little soft. Are they not growing anymore? But I think if you step, uh, take another step back without going off the cliff, you look at it and you say, you know, it was tough because they, they had the foreign exchange stuff. They're also in year two of the Slack or year three of the Slack period for the iPhone because they only really massively update the iPhone every third year. And it, you can see that there's a cycle that happens over a three-year period where that new iPhone is a hit. And then everything just kind of like tails off and is flat. And then it comes back uh, when they do a brand new iPhone. So I, I think... I mean, question one that my wife always asks me is, is Apple going to go out of business? My answer is no, no. They're, doing, they're doing okay. That $30 billion, you can take that to the bank uh, or stuff it in the mattresses, whatever you want. And then individually, like, you know, the iPhone being flat, it, um, they didn't have their factory that made the iPhone Pro for a large period of the quarter. So I actually think that it being flat in, re, in, in sales and down in, uh, in currency, basically based on conversions, is the best possible scenario. I thought it would be way worse. And the iPad had literally its best quarter in like nine years. So there's upside too. Yeah. What is it? Mark Twain said there's lies, damn lies and statistics. And statistics. And yeah. when you look, you can, so for instance, two different graphs about services revenue. You look at this graph and you go, wow, I guess services did really well. And then you look bop, at bop, this bop. graph and oh, I guess it wasn't that good a year. And it just shows you that it really depends on the prism through which you're looking. So let's not focus too much on uh, raw numbers. And let's kind of try to give people really uh, the high level uh, top line information that that makes a difference. For instance, when I see year over year Mac revenue change down 29%, I go, (gasps) but there's, you know, it's not that. There's a... (laughs) Well, the the iPad and the Mac both we like because the iPad looks great and the Mac looks terrible, and the truth is when you're doing year over year quarter, uh, part of the trick is you got to ask yourself what happened last year and what happened this year. Right. So the iPad, they didn't do an iPad update last year, and in fact they had a factory shutdown, so they couldn't so was, sell as many as, as demanded. Yeah. So it was a bad year last year, and this year they came out with the new tenth generation iPad, and they came out with the new uh, M2 iPad Pro. And they ha- could make as many as people wanted. And right. so, of course, they did well. On the Mac side, last year, they came out with the MacBook Pro. That was the first Apple Silicon MacBook Pro. And they had it as many as they could sell, they could sell, right? They could make them that fast. Uh, this year, they didn't release any Macs in that quarter at all. And so, is it a surprise that Mac sales were down right. year over year? Right. No. Is that the whole story? And could there be some softness there? Yeah, absolutely. But you got to go past that, like the year over year, because the year over year often is uh, what they always call the compare in the jargon of Wall Street. Uh, it could be a tough compare, it could be a, a soft, an easy compare, basically. And that's what happened with the Mac and the iPad is it, the Mac sales are not as bad as they look. 
and the iPad sales aren't as good as they look. Right. That's the truth of it. So that is so. There are a couple of things to note. This is uh, the end of their fiscal year, so you're going to see those year over year comparisons. Normally, you just see quarter to quarter. Yeah, but no, this is this this is their first financial quarter. They actually start oh, with the holiday I'm confused. quarter. So okay, these are all just against the year ago quarter. So they do this every time that you're. Is, you can tell every how much time, I pay yeah. attention to this. So they do this yeah. every year. And the it's other always because it's so seasonal, you can't compare right. it sequentially. You have right. to compare holiday quarters to holiday quarters. R- rolling basically. averages kind of thing. Uh, the other sure. thing is, uh, unfortunately, uh, in American uh, uh, the American economy, public companies are held to a quarterly result that yeah. that the market really rewards or punishes them for. Even though no business operates in a three-month cycle, that's still something they have to report. And so we're looking at these three months, and they're not, I mean, honestly, that's not what's important uh, to Apple. So we're, yeah. we're so this when you're looking at these numbers, these are numbers for investors. These are numbers for the stock market. These are not numbers for us as users. These it's and, hard to read these tea and, leaves and say, right. oh, Apple's struggling or, or doing and, well. And, and then people will say, like, well, why does Apple play the game if they don't have to? I mean, why do they have to, you know, do that? And and a lot of companies look at opportunities to not report more than they have to. But the problem is, is if your stock, you know, and Apple is able to bump that up a little bit because they do a lot of buybacks. They do a lot of dividends. They do things that keep investors happy. And that keeps the stock going up. And when we say, well, the investors don't matter. Well, a large part of their investors are their employees. Right. You have to remember that all those stock options. It's compensation. And so yeah. when, when you start, when your stock is sliding every year, employees start looking for, you know, right. looking, looking for the next thing. So you want them to constantly feel like they got in low and are, are going to go out high. Um, and so it's, that's it a is challenge more important. Too. That's that's because that's yeah. kind of contrary to a, a well-run business, except it's, it's an important part of a well-run business that's public. Well, it's why Steve Jobs did not want to go public for the longest time. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you're getting the employees, though, at, you have to always remember you're getting them at, at somewhat of a discount. I mean, they're getting paid a lot of money, but they're getting it at, at right. somewhat of a discount Even over what the all market the rate the because they're getting yeah. stock. Yeah. You know, Steve so. always Steve said, I don't want to go public. I don't want to have a stock because I don't want employees to be sitting there all day looking at their mm-hmm. net worth. <laughs> and, yep. I, and I understand that having at one point had had a, had some shares <laughs> and, and you do, yeah. you know, it's not unusual to go down the halls in Silicon Valley and see people with little stock tickers on their well, uh, on their screen, especially as it goes. If it does something, you know, if you see the news that, oh, you drop by 12 percent, that's something that hurts when you're. Yeah, if if you had a lot of stock, you know, but it's all paper, right? It's all it paper. Is. It yeah. is. So, uh, iPhone quarterly revenue went up as a percentage of total revenue. Uh, it was going down closer to half. It's now fifty six percent. It's a big part of their revenue holiday quarter, right? Like, yeah. I, I, it's surprising how seasonal even the it's iPhone so is, but yeah. it really is. There a lot. It it comes out in the fall. And then there's also holiday buying. And that's why it hurt them, I think, so much to have that thing that we talked about when they announced it. They, they warned that they weren't the, the factory that makes their most important segment of their most important product yep. shut yep. down and they couldn't fulfill demand. And the, the mystery question is, of course, what happened to those people, right? Did they buy an iPhone, uh, a cheaper iPhone? Did they wait or did they go and buy a different phone or did they say, I'm just not going to upgrade this year because there's no way to really measure like lost sales. I think some of them will just roll into the next quarter and Apple will benefit from that, but not all of them, right? And that's, well, that's, or, you always want to just sell it. If you if somebody wants to buy your product, you should, ideally you should have it ready to sell and they didn't. Or the next year, you know, like the, the, you know, the, a lot of times people make a decision now that Apple is in this kind of 
constant pattern of, of being able to have, you know, you know, that this September. So if you look at it, you go, eh, that wasn't that much different than my last phone or the phone that I have. Like, I don't see any new features. Then you're oftentimes not waiting for a quarter. You're just waiting for the next year. You're like, I'm going to keep this phone. The smart people. I mean, like you, you either buy it, like make a decision, buy it in October, yeah. enjoy the, enjoy the, the glow of, of the, uh, of the year. Um, and, uh, and then, or you just wait until the next year until you, unless you break it, you know, or something yeah. like that. That's why that's why rumors of uh, of a iPhone Ultra uh, coming out this year or next are so interesting because you really have to provoke uh, an iPhone user to upgrade at this point. You have to give them something that is so radically different from what's in their pocket right now that it really does push them to uh, to, uh, to 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 upgrade. It used to be that people were kind of on a two year or even a three year upgrade cycle. Now I'm seeing more and more people that look so long as so long as my phone is still working so long as it's i haven't dropped into the toilet yet uh it's i'm, I'm not going to replace this until it actually breaks uh it's 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 hard to advise people on if you, do you have a working phone yes are you happy with it yes okay then don't worry about don't worry about upgrading right now services were good uh that's not seasonal right services is a year i mean that's one of the reasons apple right. likes it right Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they would say that because they don't adjust uh, the, your monthly fee with currency, that they got hit hard by currency here. I think the truth with services is they, they used to have explosive growth there, and it's still growing every quarter, but it's not growing as fast as it used to. And that's a question of, like, what else do they have, right? Like, I, obviously, it's a focus for them. So what other services, what other methods do they have of getting more revenue out of everybody? They boasted about the fact that they're at $2 billion uh, activations basically it's two billion active users of devices apple devices that are currently so that, being used that's and mac that's record. ipad and iphone all together yeah it's everything okay. put together and that yeah and that does mean it's double counting but the point there that they're trying to make to the wall street types is ecosystem and services was where you see it most directly which is if you have two billion two billion devices in use that's two billion devices that you can sell add-on services to and we have discussed and will discuss for probably ad infinitum the wisdom of apple pivoting so hard into services but if you're looking just at the services line like that's always going to be the question is are you growing your existing services and do you have new services that are coming along that you can add to the pot in order to keep that number bubbling because wall street loves that number because it just keeps growing yeah especially because when you compare it to companies like uh, particularly google where they're still dealing with the fact that they're making about 82 percent uh, i'm remembering from last week's call 82 percent of their revenue from digital advertising that is a lot of money to be making from one extremely particularly for google extremely volatile uh, revenue source so actually seeing that that wedge of the pie for iphone get smaller and smaller is one of the best things that anybody would, who is concerned about the health of apple uh, could ever see because they're their sales of iphones is kind of the only thing that the, uh, that apple is doing uh, or sales of hardware rather that is bulletproof for from new regulation, from uh, from uh, from uh, from uh, government orders that you're going to have to break up this part of your business, that you're making too much money from this part of the segment. Uh, it's a really, really good sign that you like to see if you're a fan of Apple. 
And, you know, and I think overall, what you want to keep on looking at that graph is just how more they're obviously working at making it more and more even. (laughs) So it's not just one. It's not just services of the phone. But how do we just keep building each one of these so that they they start looking like all smaller, equal parts of the pie? And uh, and that's just really just prudent business, you know, to to do that. And it's really hard to do. And you can see that Google has a hard time doing it. They try. They they make lots of new things. Um, But uh, if you've ever been to a Google ad. (laughs) Ad, um, <laughs> ad, ad event. Um, you, you know who has all the money? Yeah. <laughs> like who, who pays for everything? So, so yeah, it's it's uh, Google still still at, and and Google, for, you know, it's it's an incredible. I mean, until they get regulated, it's it's an incredible model. But it but regulation is and and we saw what ATT did to you know to other companies that have been highly dependent on one uh, thing. Is it really really uh, slammed them harder than I think most people think? Yeah. Particularly, I mean, they, uh, Google is under, uh, is under two really, really big DOJ lawsuits. Uh, the thing on search is probably not going to amount to anything, but oh boy, the, 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 if you, if you've read the, if you've read the complaint that the government has against, against Google, uh, for their ad biz, uh, their anti-competitive antitrust uh, violations of, on their ad business, it is like a laundry list of if you want to become the most antitrust violating company in the world, do these eight things in a row. And it, the government documented, well, I'll be darned. They've done all eight of these things really, really emphatically well. So yeah, that's, you don't want that what 82% of your business coming from a business that you are probably going to get handcuffed for very very soon would they like the profit line to be a nice smooth curve up they probably would it's so i mean okay yeah. so they made 10 billion dollars a month instead of 12 billion dollars a month you know they're yeah. doing fine kids they're doing just this fine. is this, this is why this is why so many of these so many of these reports are so like the, the gloom and doom that uh, that Jason talked about by the analysts before the, the the reports come out we are talking we're not talking about oh they had they lost money this the, this uh, this quarter or oh my goodness they're trending downwards like no the rate at which they're making an ungodly amount of money is slowing down they're still making an ungodly amount of money but they thought that they would be an otherworldly godly amount of money by this quarter and Unfortunately, it was only a ungodly. It's like, oh my goodness, why are we worried? Why are we considering this as, as a downturn? Why are we dumping the stock based on the fact that they're still they're still making they they still have the ability to basically thumb their nose at almost any one government's ability to control or limit their power upon a terrified populace? And yet, put yourself in the mindset of investors. It's been True. such a great ride. They're always looking over their shoulder, going, "When is this going to end?" You know, I mean, no company is on top forever, but I don't see an end yeah. in sight. I, I think a great a, a great education that I had about how Wall Street works, right? Because there's always there's a great result and then the stock goes down and you're like, well, wait a second. Isn't the yeah. stock price a reward <laughs> for your announcement? And the answer is no. The stock price is a futures market, right? right. It is yeah. what happens next. And if you if you make a huge uh, amount of money, but you don't meet the expectations of the market, your stock will go down because they thought you'd do better than you did. Is that fair? Well, no, but it's not a measure of how you're doing. It's it is a measure the of like, what's it's, the future. Yeah. I find some of these Apple bears on CNBC and other places amusing because they seem, I, I don't know what their game is. I don't know what their plan is. Maybe they're just like one of these days, Apple's going to step in it. But, but like the iPhone and now we see with services, the ability of Apple to create this ecosystem where people who buy an iPhone uh, make just keep pay, paying the money over time plus keep buying iPhones that is such it is um, I said on that video that I did with Dan it is a machine 
that makes money. That's what it is. It is an enormous machine that makes money. And when you make $30 billion of profit in a quarter, in three months, like you're doing okay. <laughs> we, we can argue about the fringes and the details. And, but even if the iPhone was a decaying product, which I don't think it is, I think it's at the end of this sort of cycle where the latest iPhones were kind of sleepy because they were like the last two iPhones. And we're about to enter a cycle where there'll probably be new iPhones and those sales will surge again. But like the bottom line is the iPhone alone, let alone the iPad and the Mac, uh, combined with the services revenue, that is just the gift that keeps on giving. And, you know, I think Apple's got so much momentum. Now I'm sounding like one of those people on CNBC. I think they got so much <laughs> momentum, Leo. They could just keep going and going and going. But it's true. The iPhone is that successful and that powerful that uh, Apple a- Apple has learned how to harness that power and make even more money uh, from it than they used to. And, and, and the services, of course, bring you back to lock you further into the hardware. Right. Because <laughs> right. you know, you're, you're, you're all of these things you're doing and it becomes, you know, just something that that you can't, you know, it just gets harder and harder to, to think about. Like I, I think about, I, I, I have an Android phone and I, and I use it, but I, when I open it up, it doesn't have any of the services that I'm used to having. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I just bought the new S23 so I can take a look at it. And uh yeah, I mean, I'm, it, it can't be a daily driver for me because at this by this, and this is sad because I'd like it to be, but but I'm so locked into Apple's stuff. Stuff I can't, yeah. I can't abandon it, and that's it's worked quite well for them. Uh, is, uh, so, I mean, is is there? You know, you could look at Google and say, well, there's there's you know looming threats uh, from government regulation and from. You know, Microsoft's and Chat GPT at making Bing be uh, an AI version of Google. And you can talk about threats. Facebook, good Lord, <laughs> nothing but. Uh, but is, are there any threats to Apple's hegemony? Long term, sure. I mean, that's, well, what, that's why they spend though? so much money. What that's long-term? why they spend so much money on VR and AR and I stuff understand. like that. They I understand. They want the next thing. I, but, yeah. but what's going to is do, but do I think people that's it, think right? we will stop having phones? I think that's the, I mean, honestly, I think that's what the VRAR thing is a hedge against what would replace the iPhone. Because I think even Apple understands that as long as they keep doing a decent job with the iPhone, that this will keep going forever well, until there's a replacement. Until there's for the something iPhone. besides the phone. And what yeah. would right. that and, be? I mean, we don't, I don't think we have the technology. I, I think that's what Apple's realizing is we don't have the technology to make something to replace the phone. 20 yet. years from now. Maybe well, yeah, but, but the problem is, is that doing AR and VR is really, really hard. And it right. takes billions and billions of dollars so to do. Now. And you can't. And if you see you're behind, you're yeah. done. You know, and yeah. what Apple needs to do is, I mean, that's why Microsoft got into HoloLens. That's why Oculus. Yeah, but here's the good news: isn't very all good. these it's, companies you know, are it's... dumping it, <laughs> right? Microsoft's yeah. <laughs> getting out of the business. Well, well, no. Uh, Microsoft actually released something saying to correct that, saying, "Oh no, no, no. We're, here's our commitment to, to to HoloLens." Facebook Meta also had something posting saying that here's why we're still committed to oh, this. That's I think BS. the only I, th- I don't buy I, it I think, for a minute. I've they it lost be, thirteen. It would be very, they they lost thirteen Meta lost thirteen billion dollars on this last year, ten billion the year before. You can't lose tens of billions of dollars every year forever. Uh, unless if you have a if you have a crazy CEO who is yeah. unstoppable and and has not been has not been thrown out by the stock the stockholders or, or the board yet, yeah. I think that if so long as he's he's still thinks he's committed to this, he will still keep those purse strings open. And because he has founder money, like the not just founder money, he has like the nineteen nineties style of we founded this company so that it's almost impossible to kick out a founder uh, without his uh, without yeah. But he's scrambling because 
to be honest, Meta is challenged in a lot of areas. I mean, oh, I agree. Oh, I agree. I agree. So 100%. that you know, as long as you, it's like Google, they've got the money machine with 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 search advertising, so they can they can kind of try stuff. And Meta's got this, you know, the blue page, the Facebook. But that's kind of starting to look a little. You can see why Meta's running as fast as they can. Yeah. Meanwhile, Microsoft's saying. Yeah, maybe this will take off, maybe not. You know what's the good news? Microsoft says no matter who makes it, they're going to have to run on Azure. So let's let's really make our cloud yeah. be strong, and then we will provide services to whoever ends up being the AR, VR, metaverse winner. Apple yeah. is saying, well, the iPhone someday is going to be replaced by something. I guess it's got to be something you wear, right? What else could it be? Well, or an implant, yeah. a brain implant. Or if yeah, it's on your if it's on your if it's on your wrist, they're they're headed down that path. If they've got your, yeah, they got in that. your ears. They got it. If it's on your eyes, yeah. they're working on it. No, they're and working on wearables. That's what they're thinking. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But but it is but it is interesting that Apple is still hewing to their roots, where every single big project they've got going that uh, that we've we're, that we're we're tracking, it's still all about creating consumer appealing hardware. It's still about let's let's buy this piece of hardware for AR VR. Hey, let's buy this car. Uh, services are doing great. Uh, the App Store is doing great. See, it is the only it uh, it's the only area in which Apple will probably get spanked pretty hard by international regulators. But it's not necessarily necessarily what the whole company is, is hinged on. Meanwhile, Google stays close to their roots. Microsoft stays close to their roots as we are. They are both companies that sling bits around. The fact that they're slinging bits on servers instead of on floppies is almost immaterial because they are whatever apparatus that they created for themselves that they've been running on for the past two decades. They can continue to run on that same apparatus because they're still writing software. Facebook, however, they are going to get spanked so hard because they have to turn, they have to be a cookie company that starts making diesel lubricants. I mean, that, how do you do that? Yeah, well, I mean, you use that on the cookie sheet. So <laughs> well, and, and again, the, the, you know, the, what, what, you know, I think, I still think that, that Mark read, um, Ready Player One, and and then just was like, let's do it, man. I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be great. I can't wait. You know, but but I think that that I think that that was a driver of like understanding that social networks could all be virtual and do all those things. The 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 big thing though is that if no one's cracked it, no one's cracked. You know, and so you can say, well, that's not. No one's going to crack it, but that's a pretty big bet (laughs) to say no one's going to crack this. No, somebody will crack it, but it's distant. Because and as Apple has learned, it's not going to be next year. It's well, what you can't Again. what you can't do is just flip a switch, right? Like right. So, right. I th- what Apple's investing because they know that if they aren't pushing it forward, first off, it'll take longer to happen, probably, and second, mm-hmm. it'll be too late for them to catch up, and they don't want to have no, right. Smart. They want to build their the iPhone's replacement if yeah. it's going to happen, and I, if do it doesn't it happen, I think Apple flowing. will say it's worth it as a hedge. Still, yeah, they're, they're still they're, they're they're developing thousands of patents that they that they've developed just that's just true. Trying they to may just own this problem. Yeah, they may just own it. It's not like they're losing money. I mean, they're printing money and right. so this is the time that you the, the smart companies the time you do this you look at some aggressive projects that only you can do they have they are uniquely positioned because they make the chips you know so the m1 m2 m3 chips because they make those because they make the 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 uh, the, the development platform they they are better positioned than anyone else to do the ar vr if someone pulls it off and the big thing is is that if apple does somehow come out and then you know the first one will be a developer version of things and it'll be whatever it is 
if Apple pulls this off and they start going down the field, the chances of anyone else catching up will be the same that they're of catching up to the iPhone. It's not impossible. Android's done a good job at being able to even the market out, but it won't be very many people because well, now you're now you're behind a company oh, that's moving really fast and, that's and what ahead I, of you. That's what I'm saying is it's interesting to watch these other people who were invested in it fall by the wayside. Google had Google mm-hmm. Glass. They had Cardboard. They were all in. Well, you know, Glass is still out. <sighs> yeah, and still, no, come it's on. It's not public. Let's they, be- they learned that it's not uh, it's, let's it's be fair. It's still in a lot of units. Let's be fair. I mean, <laughs> and then, and even Microsoft's, I, regardless of their statements, they fired most of the people. It's mm-hmm. going, it's going away. Uh, who's another threat? Meta. Well, I wouldn't worry too much about Meta either. Um, mm. I think a- Apple. You, I agree with you, Alex. Apple's I, in the best position, and I think they're almost alone at the head of the pack at this point. Meta's the only. Yeah, I mean, close. Well, it Look at magically. It, it, whatever happened to them? Apple. Well, like, like people times, heard about what Apple. People heard of what Apple was doing, and they were like, "I don't think that magically it can make." Yeah. I think everyone thought that Apple was going to come out a lot earlier than it did, um, but there were a lot of people that got real excited, and then were afraid that Apple was going to come out next year with something, and just just were spooked. Yeah. Well, I, I, also, let's give Apple credit for something else. Uh, any any enterprise like this is going to require full-on support from developers they can hardware proposes software disposes and apple has i think more than any other major company has created a uh, a lot of credit and trust with developers that if we if we promote this as here is a development platform here's something that we want you to develop for developers have a lot can have a lot of faith that apple is invested in this themselves they are going to stick with this for years and years because they believe in it until it actually gets all spun up whereas almost any other company google especially this is just something is this just something that they're going to be into for this year until it, uh, the again the economic headwinds or the macroeconomic whatever change or they have this other idea that replaces it it's almost a, a fool's errand to try to support anything that uh, that that google proposes for developers well, uh, but, well, and Google's and then, ADD is killing them, and now it's all about yeah. AI, and so every well, and, everybody just went. You know, it's that it's that it's that meme mm-hmm. where the guy's walking with his girlfriend, and he's looking over his shoulder at the at the you yeah. know the AI coming up behind, and going, "Oh, that's better than VR." They're all they're all distracted now. This is smart. Apple should just well, stay well, yeah. stay the course. And, and there's a couple things that that Apple again has that the other the other teams don't have that are working on this, and one is. That because they own that whole stack, everything from the hardware all the way through, their ability to make everything work, you know, through that. And, and we're not seeing something that they're going to release something, hope someone develops for it. Apple is building the tools, have been announcing the tools, rolling the tools out for five or six years now. You know, so these are like, the, I think it was, it might even be more, it might be se- seven years now that they've been rolling out USDZ and rolling out tools that make that easier and rolling out pieces that make that easier and you know, slowly incorporating into other things. And so that's something that the other teams just don't have. The other thing is, is I really feel like after, you know, I've used all of the platforms and the thing that uh, I have liked the least is the interface, the human, the, the, the human machine interface for all of the goggle, every version of goggles that I've put on. And I put on most of them, most of the commercial ones and some that aren't commercial and they're all funky when you put them on. Like, how do you get them started? And where do you go? And this interface is stupid. And why am I doing this? And, you know, like, and, and trying to explain to somebody else, like, I can never pick up my goggles, pick up whatever I'm using, an Oculus, a HoloLens or whatever, and just hand it to someone say, put this on and it'll work. Like, it's always like, put it on. Now you got to tap the thing. And now you got to move the thing over here. And now you got to, you know, and, 
and and people get lost and you're like, oh, never mind, you know. And yeah, because it, you can't see, you can't see, they can't. I can't see, see what's going it's on. So yeah, exactly. I can't see. You know, it's it's just so frustrating. You don't want to, you know, and and uh, not and so to mention there are some other. I think there's some other larger uh, issues. There's battery life. There's size. Um, Eyeglasses. Uh, you know, and then there's also the issue of moving. Uh, there's no really good way. You can't just walk forward in VR. There's no really good way to move. And the way they solved it in Ready Player One with with the treadmill that goes in every direction, I think that's a non-starter. <laughs> uh, so there's, I just think there's, I'm not saying intractable, but there are definitely massive challenges with yeah. VR. Is it like going to a casino? Do you think for Tim Cook, he's looking at, you know, he's looking at the uh, roulette table and there's a lot of bets on there, I'm sure he's doing, you know, the due diligence and he's got committees working on strategic planning, you know, and all of that. But I don't know. I got to feel like he's in the roulette world just going 12, 12, 12, 12. <laughs> Let's stay on 12. the, like, uh, like, you know, yeah. like if I just stay on it, because it, I, I don't know. This is doing this for a decade and building things around it. You got to be a lot of hedging. You got to be patient. I, yeah, yeah. See, that's it. I, I wish Tim Cook was so exciting that he was a roulette player, but I think call, <laughs> calling it hedging your bets, calling it something like what they do with like one of the reasons they try to avoid all of these financial headwinds um, is they do financial hedging where they'll like buy currency in one. And so that if the, if the dollar's too strong, then yeah. they've got currency in the other way and they do that. And that's what this is, right? I think ultimately what the, whether you say it's a bet or spin at the roulette wheel or a hedge or whatever, what they're really trying to do is say, what are the places where we have opportunity and there's opportunity for it to kill us? And that is why, uh, the the VR AR project exists is that it's it's an opportunity to replace the iPhone and if anybody's going to do that it better be us and honestly I think that's why they've been uh, dillying around with the car all this time too is I think they think that there's an opportunity there or at least they thought at some point an opportunity there for them to redefine the automotive market with their technology and that it was worth placing that bet and they have the money for it right so I think yeah you, they're the chip leader Apple, so they can they can the make some it. bets yeah. Um, yeah. I would love to be a fly on the wall. Do you think he has like a oh, Game man. of Thrones room where the whole map is laid out and he's got like, <laughs> or do you think no, maybe he's got a wall with the strings attached by taxes? Tax no, to- I, th- I, I like to think he's got like one of those, like with a, one of those old French kings would have that human chessboard. <laughs> and so he has like employees dressed as the car with a little cardboard car. I, I want to have like, one of those, those croupier rakes where he pushes the cars <laughs> forward. And I mean, you got, it must be yeah. Fascinating to watch at this level with this much money. What's their cash position? Did they say? Is it 120 oh, I, billion? I forget. Billion? They they have bi- many many tens of billions, if not. They repatriated it, which cash. means they can spend it now in the U.S. They've. I mean, I, I I would love to be a fly in the wall because, in some ways, it's worse to have more money. It's worse to have more resources because you don't have to be as careful. But I think I, my sense of Apple management, Tim Cook especially, is that they are fairly thoughtful about hundred and sixty five hundred and sixty five wow. billion dollars. And notice cash. they aren't going yeah. out like Meta and Google and buying every company they can. They're very thoughtful and, and uh, methodical in how they pursue this. And, well, I, and they I usually buy prob- small because they want they right. wanted the culture to. Yeah, yeah. They want they don't want to have a big culture clash. They don't want Time Warner. Um <laughs> It's really fun to watch, and it's interesting to watch. And I'm glad I'm not an investor in tech stocks because uh, <laughs> it's it's concerning. You know, I, t- I mentioned this before. It uh, Philip Elmer Dewitt asked me to talk to his uh, group of subscribers 
for his uh, website, PED 3.0. And I didn't understand at the time that they're all Apple investors, that the people who subscribe to his stuff are Apple investors trying to see what the next big thing is. And I went in there saying, ah, Apple. <laughs> uh, talk about headwinds. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it's hard to bet against Apple these days. Uh, and I'm glad I don't have to think about that, you know. But it feels like, I mean, look at look at this pie chart. This is interesting. This is the quarterly revenue by category. Uh, two of these didn't exist. Five wearables and services didn't exist five or ten years ago. It was iPhone, Mac, and iPad. Yeah. And now more than a quarter of their revenue is coming from these new sources. Thirty percent from these new sources. Uh that were just invented out of whole cloth because, and that's what we have to kind of look back. That was 10 years ago. They said, maybe we should do a watch. Maybe we should have a home pod. Maybe we, you know, maybe we should have some more peripherals. Maybe we should have Apple one. Maybe we should start Apple TV plus all of those things were the things that they've been doing for the last 10 years. And it's paid off. It's absolutely paid off. So yeah, yeah, the app, app store is in there too. Don't forget. Yeah. The, well, the same thing. It's right? also all yeah. their cuts from the app store and app store subscriptions. But yeah, you're right. This is, I mean, That's wearable poop, home and accessories used to be called other, but all it was was like, you know, trackballs. Remember, I don't know. Remember, they were, you know, 20 years ago, <laughs> this sucks. green slice called Mac was it. That was yeah. the whole kit and caboodle. So at least if you look from history point of view, historic point of view, they've done really really the right thing all along and of course they were pretty lucky with the iphone lucky or or smart but they the iphone yeah. really there's been nothing like that in technology uh i mean you can't think of a single product that changed the world like uh, the iphone has right and it's hard to and because they're singular right because it's apple with the iphone and apple owns the iphone like i don't know if i want to predict i mean probably you could predict that samsung will be selling lots and lots of smartphones in 10 or 15 years um, but really what I do know is that in 10 or 15 years, there'll be lots of iPhones being sold and there'll be lots of Android phones being sold, yeah. whoever the brand is. And like there are more Android being phones. Sold. There are three billion sure. Android phones, but there are a lot of those are $50 uh, crap. Right. right. And the fortunes could rise and fall. I think Android's not going anywhere, but the fortunes could rise and fall. Yeah. I think iPhone like Android is not going to go anywhere. And there's only one source for iPhones. Yeah. Look at how hard. Apple. How hard it's been for Google to gain any traction at all in Android. They and they own the operating system. And they make good phones. And they make really yeah. good phones and no traction at all. Samsung completely dominates. Um it's very yeah. interesting. Well, it's, well, you know, well, yeah, it's, hard, it's, hard, it's hard it's hard to compete with a company that manuf is the manufacturing company. That's all they do is manufacture things. They manufacture components, they know how to assemble them, they know how to ship them, they know how to box them. Uh it's this is this is why Samsung as much as we justifiably make fun of their desire to ooh, let's our biggest feature is that we have a number on our on our feature chart that's larger than another number. That's why you can't really dismiss them because man, they will figure as soon as they figure out there's there's some some money under this under the sofa they will figure out a way to get under that sofa and get that money well and, yeah and, and it gives their manufacturers and they're they're somewhat even on the operating system because they you know they both use the same operating system right. so it really comes down to the hardware and samsung is able to produce the and, hardware and more that's where i give steve jobs a lot of credit from day one he said and it wasn't his idea initially i think it was uh, i don't remember who said it first but if you want to if you want to dominate in this, you have to make the software and the hardware. 
You can't just yeah. make well, one. And, and, and one of the first things he did when they when he got into Apple was to bury power computing and, yeah. and, and get rid and of all the co- I mean, they literally yeah. when I say bury, they literally put them in, rolled them over with a yeah. with a uh, bulldozer. Yeah, it was it was quite. There's the, there the famous really really angry. Uh, I wouldn't call it a keynote, but at a conference, at a press event, at uh, one of the at a Macworld Boston, I think was was Power Computing or another of the clone makers held up like a zippered like laptop case. The CEO saying, "This is our, our our Mac our Mac clone laptop that we're now not allowed to sell, and it kicks the butt of anything else that's out there, and Apple won't let us release it." I said, "Okay, well, stinks I, to be you." I think <laughs> yeah. I think that was that was Motorola, <laughs> and they were really yeah. upset because they. They, you know, there was a miscalculation about the G4 and the G3 and the G3 oh, yeah, team yeah. put more L2 cache in and suddenly it was way faster than G4. So all the cheap things that were going to be that Apple was giving away as G3s, like in selling a lot cheaper or letting them license it suddenly were way faster than what it was going to destroy the company. Like, like literally yeah. the G3, G4 miscalculation and L3 and L2 cache or L3 cache. Um, was going to would have destroyed Apple if if they hadn't buried it. It was Alan Kay who was an Apple fellow for a long time, but also an early pioneer in computing. Created Small Talk. Uh, I think he was at Xerox Park. Who said people who are really serious about software should make their own hardware? And Steve Jobs t- really took that to heart. I think he, that was something that for him um, was the foundation of Apple. And Apple has been working ever since to control the entire chain, not just hardware and software, but yeah. all the hardware. To, and and look at the success of Apple Silicon, which is a, a big step in that direction. Um, if they own it and all. And again, they're going to, eventually it's going to be one big chip. One big <laughs> chip. It's inside of here. It's going to be like a chip that you just slide in because they, you know, they talk, they've talked about it in, in reports. So they're, they're, they said they talk about the legacy hardware that, that they still have to deal with as far as supply chains, but I'm not going to deal with it for a Let me long. take a little break. And then when we come back, you do something every, uh, what you do it yearly, right? Uh, Jason, yeah. the hardware is yeah. report card. Let's talk a little bit about that. That's where you go and ask some of the, you know, the big, not me ever, but the big names in, uh, in not me ever, but the big names in uh, I'll Apple. I'll put you on the list. No, no, year. I'm just kidding. I don't care. In the Apple journalism, I like to give you a hard time. You're All right. Just taking you off the list. Take me off the list. Saying? I don't want to be on the list. I have no idea. I'm the wrong guy to I ask. Love, I, I love the saying, cows don't ask, do, cows don't dance, but they like to be asked. <laughs> I'm a cow in this scenario. Okay. <laughs> Our show today, we have a great panel. And who needs to ask me when you got Jason Snell and Andy Anako and Alex Lindsay? We're going to talk about the Apple Report Card from SixColors.com in just a sec. Our show today and our studio brought to you by our good friends at ACI Learning. You may say, well, who are they? Well, I know you know the name IT Pro. For the last decade, our partners at IT Pro have brought engaging, entertaining IT training to level up your career or organization. Well, now... IT Pro is part of ACI Learning, and this has totally expanded the capabilities. It's very exciting. With IT Pro, ACI Learning is expanding its reach, its production capabilities, offering you the content and the and the learning mode you need at any stage in your development. Whether you're at the very beginning of your career, looking to move up in your sector, ACI Learning is here to support your growth, not only in IT now, but an audit readiness. Yeah, they've got Audit Pro. And in cybersecurity, this is this is really exciting for our entire IT Pro family. We know a lot of you got into IT Pro f- from this decade we've been talking about them. Well, now there's a whole lot more available to you. Uh, 
One of the most widely recognized beginner certificates. I bet a lot of you have the CompTIA A+. Cert, it's often where you start in IT. CompTIA courses with IT Pro from ACI Learning make it easy to go from daydreaming about that career in IT to launching it. Earning certificates opens doors to most entry-level IT positions. It's Frankly, if you think about it, they, they don't know. You don't have previous skill, you know, previous experience. So how do they know that you can do the job? If you got the certs for employers, when you're get, getting started, that's the way of saying, yep, See, I know I've got my certs. It also shows more than just you have the knowledge. It shows you had the initiative and the ambition to learn that stuff, to take the test. It's not easy. And so that, as an employer, that also is encouraging. Okay, this, this person really takes this seriously. CompTIA courses with IT Pro make it easy to go from daydreaming about that career in IT to launching it. Earning certificates opens doors. It makes it possible for you to get into IT, and then the sky's the limit because this is such a great field. Tech is one industry where opportunities outpace growth, and, and one of the hottest opportunities right now, cybersecurity. A recent LinkedIn study predicts IT jobs will be the most in-demand roles in 2023. There are far more jobs than there are people who could fill those jobs. There's no time to waste. This is a great opportunity for you. About one-third of information security jobs require require a cybersecurity certification. That's more than the general IT. General IT is about 23% require a cert. Because when it comes to cybersecurity, you you can't really gamble, right? When organizations are hungry for cybersecurity talent and they look out at the market, the cyber skills gap is getting bigger every day. The average salary now for cybersecurity specialists, $116,000. Wouldn't you like to be making that doing something you love? ACI Learning's Information Security Analyst and Cybersecurity Specialist programs could get you started, get you certified, and these are widely accepted throughout the industry as the gold standard in what you need to get this job. They're going to look at you and go, oh, yeah, you're hired. In 2022, the global cybersecurity workforce gap, that is, the number of people needed compared to the number of people available increased by 26.2% compared to the last the year before, 2021. So, I mean, I bet 2023 is going to be even a bigger gap. There are jobs out there, well-paid, fun, interesting jobs, careers. Don't, don't even call them jobs. Careers available. ACI Learning offers multiple cybersecurity training programs that can prepare you to enter or advance with this really exciting, growing industry. Among the most popular cybersecurity certs, some of them are tough. I was talking to somebody the other day. He's working on a CISSP. That's tough. But it's a boy. When you get that man, you're golden. EC Councils is my favorite one. I, want, I still want to do this. Certified Ethical Hacker. CEH. Certified Network Defender. Cybersecurity Audit School. Cybersecurity Frameworks. Where and how you learn really matters. ACI Learning offers fully customizable training no matter what kind of learner you are maybe you like uh, on demand maybe you like it remote of course it pros always had that aci learning adds in-person instruction as well they have hubs now you can go to if you want to and 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 there's an advantage to that to be asking questions in person to be with your peers learning there's a lot to that to be said for that the whole point is to take your learning beyond the classroom and get that great job 
Explore what ACI Learning offers. IT Pro, Audit Pro, that includes enterprise solutions, webinars. <laughs> I love the Skeptical Auditor podcast. you got Practice Labs. You've got those learning hubs and a great partnership program, too. Tech is one industry where opportunities literally outpace growth. And there is no area of tech where it outpaces it faster than, than cybersecurity. So many jobs open. One-third of information security jobs require a cybersecurity cert. Maintain your competitive edge across audit, IT, and cybersecurity readiness. Visit the website go.acilearning.com slash twit. Go.acilearning.com slash twit. And, and, and don't forget that offer code twit30 to get 30% off, 30% off a standard premium individual IT Pro membership. This is the place. This is the place. IT Pro, even better with ACI Learning. Go.acilearning.com slash twit. Make sure you use that address and the offer code twit30 so that they know you saw it here. And we thank them so much, not only for their support, but also for sponsoring our studio. We're in the uh, the Twit Studios brought to you by ACI Learning. We really appreciate the partnership. A great company offering you really great opportunities. Thank you, ACI Learning. Okay, tell me what this report card is, Mr. Jason Snell. It is a thing that I've been doing for way too many years now, since 2015. <laughs> um it is uh, me asking a bunch of people, they're developers and writers and podcasters and other people who I sort of quantified as being Apple watchers and 55 of them responded this year. And I asked them across a whole bunch of categories to basically give Apple a rating for 2022 in this case from one to five and then fill out, you know, send me their feelings. And I tell them don't write a lot and then they write a lot. Um, <laughs> they have so all the feels, some, it turns out. Oh, man. So we get some numbers. Uh, we get some change over time, which is really kind of fascinating. And uh, then we get everybody's feelings out. So there's a I, I, the way I always describe it is that it's almost like I'm trying to just get the vibe of the room. I'm just, it's just like a survey of a sentiment of how people are feeling. It doesn't prove anything, but I think that what it is, I think it's illustrative of what the people who pay attention to Apple are sort of feeling about where Apple did well and where Apple is not doing well um, over the last year. And uh, so this, I guess the most important chart would be the change year over year. And this is in sentiment among Apple watchers. Yes. Surprising that the Mac's down a little bit. I mean, it's only 0.4%, but it's still kind of uh, surprising. Uh, the Mac, uh, I think the lack, remember this is 2022, so I think the lack of the MacBook Pro coming out yeah. in the fall and the Mac the, Mini a little and, bit. Yeah, and, I mean, the no, and no Mac Pro at all. Yeah. Yes, that and then I think they rolled some of the issues with the studio display camera and stuff in here too. Okay. And so that's why I went down. It's coming off of a real high and it's still got a pretty good grade, but I think that they, that they got dinged for not completing the Apple Silicon transition as they said they would and not getting that MacBook Pro out there. Still 4.2 out of 5 is pretty good. That's a great it's an A minus, right? It's pretty yeah. good. Pretty yeah. good. <laughs> I'm surprised the iPhone's only 3.9 out of 5. Uh yeah, the iPhone, you know, they uh I think people feel that, that it's a little bit boring. Um I I think that that's the bottom line is that the the iPhone uh 13 14 um were minor updates and so people aren't that excited. There are some Mac mini people out there, right, who are or iPhone mini people who are mad about the small phone going away. It's the champagne of smartphones. It's the gold standard. I don't know what you would do to make this thing better, to be honest. It's actually 
it's actually the lowest tied for the lowest score I've ever gotten from the panel about the iPhone wow. too. And I, I wonder, I do think I, I honestly, it's just like the, the Mac going down in the era of Apple Silicon. I think it has to do more with a, what have you done for me lately approach to it than anything else. What have you done to, for me lately? It's so sad. Uh, of course, even worse home kit, which deserves a 2.7 out of Can five. you imagine what your parents would say <laughs> if you brought a, a D plus home? <laughs> Two periods in a row because this is the, it's unchanged from last year. I guess good news, everybody. The home kit score didn't go down. The bad news is it was so the low. average was two point seven out of five. It's a D Almost plus in have. my in my grade rubric. It's a D plus. And really, the answer there is waiting for Matter. Right? Like everybody's like, well, Apple said Matter would would fix everything, but it hasn't come out yet, or at least it is out know, now. I don't think Matter it. matters. It's not well, as high Apple, level as people thought. Apple hasn't enabled it in HomeKit, and yeah. in fact. Also, they're reacting to the fact that uh, late last year, Apple released their new home architecture that was supposed to be the foundation of all of this in in beta. And not too long after they Yanked released it. it, they turned it back it off. Broke everything. Oops. <laughs> so th- that all, I think, factored into the scores there. Also low dev relations, another D, 2.8 out of uh, 5. And that's really the App Store probably, yeah? I, I think that there is so much dislike of apple's approach to developers the fact that you know the app store is we see lots of rejections in the app store and yet it's not very well curated there's lots of scammy stuff that's in there and this general feeling like the only thing that's ever going to stop apple from behaving like this is governments and i think that they're all kind of resigned to that now so it's it's the worst that developer relations has looked since phil schiller took it over and fixed a lot of problems with the app store because it Used to be worse, <laughs> but it's still not still not great. Uh, C minus, not quite a D. C minus, but uh, on a downward slide. Ever since Phil's sort of reforms kicked in, they've been sort of trending downward with all the other stuff. Like, because I think there's something, especially if you're a developer, and mostly the people who voted in this category were developers. I think there's something really dispiriting in seeing Apple go to court and make pro- proclamations in all sorts of places defending their ability to do these things that the developers don't like because they're like, oh, it's not a mistake. It's not that they're too busy. They, they're they saying that the quiet part out loud now. Right. And there's always been an attitude among people at Apple that the App Store is their and the iPhone are their great invention and that developers are sort of lucky <laughs> to be brought along with them. And developers, guess what? They resent that. Yeah. It's 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 always been it's it's institutionally a problem. And it's not just about app store rejections. It's really about how uh, how uh, how much pride developers have in their apps, and that they feel as though the the audience for these they they, they deserve to have a closer relationship with the people who use those apps. And they feel excuse me, uh, I, I'm sorry, I should not speak for the entire developer community. I'm, but this is what I keep hearing time and time again from developers that uh, like it's it's really, really difficult to basically create a community of users behind your app because Apple does everything they possibly can to make sure that the people who buy your app, they're not users of your app. They're users of the app store. They're users of the iPhone. Isn't it wonderful? Apple, the Apple, aren't we wonderful that we gave you this wonderful app when the developer is like, no, we want to have a 20 year there before the app store. There are, there are companies that have like 20 years relationships with certain customers because there is this one-to-one relationship they know the developers they know uh they, they know it as a as a really wonderful shop 
and the app store relationship just really tries hard to negate that at every opportunity. How many of the uh, happened this year was um, the fact that they remember they did that thing where they put lots of crappy ads on individual app pages at some point, and then they backed off of it. But like, that was like the top of mind when the survey was taken was that it's like, and it was again, is that the deepest cut? No, but it is the latest in a whole long series of a thousand cuts. How many of the 55 are developers? Uh, I'd say maybe 20 ish. Um, and they're the ones like most people who were not developers didn't vote in this category. They, they just, just said they, they had no opinion about developer relations. Some members of the press and the developers themselves, uh, had, they had opinions. Yeah. It's the lowest. No, it's not the lowest. HomeKit's the lowest, but it's the next lowest uh, score and it's pretty darn close. Uh, highest score goes to hardware reliability. People, people think the, uh. Apple stuff's pretty reliable. I guess it is yeah. compared to everything else. And a lot of goodwill about the after what happened in the mid 2010s with the butterfly keyboard and yeah. stuff like that. I think people feel like the <laughs> Apple Silicon hardware is pretty solid and, and not more only responsive is there, and there's right to repair yeah. and Yeah, and there's a proxy here of just like is the hardware good? I think is part of what's going on here, but also I think it's the you know, do we have a terrible situation like the keyboard? We don't. Thank goodness for that. And so it's a little bit of a honeymoon there. Next highest score wearables. Uh, I think the Apple Watch is a home run. Yes, we all agree. Those are both A's. Yeah. Oh, wearables is separate from uh, Apple Watch. What? So what did you mean? Well, so I. I added um, Apple. What I, I started AirPods. with Apple Watch, and I I turned it into wearables midstream. So there's oh, sort of two scores there okay. because I'm still asking the original question, just kind of for historic reasons. At some point, I'll stop doing that, but okay. uh, maybe next year. Uh, but the idea there is, I wanted to ask sort of about now we think of that category as wearables, right? So it's not just about the Apple right. Watch, but it's about AirPods and stuff like that. And Apple scored really well. You know, these are these are places where Apple is doing pretty well. I think that everybody. W- was really happy with the Apple Watch Ultra that Apple is doing something new with the Apple Watch because that is a place that had sort of stagnated the last couple of years. And so I think that that was a positive. And the new AirPods Pro 2 came out last year, and that was, by all accounts, a winner for all concerned. And so I think people are pretty high on that category. Is, is it just me? I feel like the uh, Apple AirPods and the, uh, the Pro, the regular AirPods and the Max, are kind of middle-of-the-road quality uh, and overpriced. I don't... I don't think they're a home run. I think they're a home run for Apple because of the ecosystem. <laughs> but but in terms of, you know, comparison to other products, there are better products at a lower price. Or is that just me? Uh, well, I mean, there's there's some difference of opinion there. But I think if you're in the Apple ecosystem, the other products don't have the Apple secret sauce that makes them That's a better right. product if you use other Apple products. And that that is that is tangible, right? Like right. I, I, AirPods, AirPods Pro, I think, is is a very very good product uh airpods max i know people who love it but that one seems to be a bit much yeah <laughs> and, and, and yeah exactly you, whereas i bought airpods pro 2 and i have no regrets because i think that is a spectacularly they're, good pr- they're good and, and i think That's the integration it. into the into the iphone ecosystem is really great and so as a result yeah even though audio wise you know they're middle of the pack but that's good enough when you include all the other uh features in it so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's, it's still a very Johnny Ive sort of design where, oh, my God, it looks great. And it really just tickles whatever part of your 
of your prehistoric genetic DNA that likes bright and shiny objects because they are beautiful and they're wonderful. But then you get into, okay, but now I need to throw this in my backpack. Oh, well, it's not as easy to throw into a backpack as almost anything else. And, oh, they're really, really heavy. And you're talking oh, about the max. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree, I agree with you on the, on the earbuds. I think there are much better values out there. Uh, and really, I think what you're buying, uh, the, the premium it's not is for audio you're files. For. You're not, these are not well, for audio. It's not for audio. For, I don't, I don't think audio buds are going to be uh, earbuds. Are, excuse me, buds are uh, in general buds. going to be. Yeah. But I, I think that there's a lot of value, and I'll I'll give you seventy five dollars if it means that every single time I think that I'm connected to my earbuds, I am actually connected to my earbuds, right. and that's something that yeah. so, sometimes to a fault, uh, Apple delivers that. I, that I don't know, I, and maybe I just have too many devices in one place. But but the biggest problem that I have is with my air with my AirPods is yeah. that I pick up my phone, I'm. I'm looking at my phone and it's picking something else or not picking or not connecting to my AirPods. And, and I will admit when I first got them, they seemed to work fine. And as things got more, whatever, it suddenly is like, I just don't know if it's going to pick the right one. And that's been the most frustrating part. And so then I started, what happens is this is, this is what the problem with an ecosystem is once I got out of that ecosystem, I started using lots of different, so I have like three different headsets typically yeah. floating around. I have, I use open comms when I'm talking to people on the phone because they, I sound better to them um, because it's got a boom. And then I listen to my ultimate ears that fits because they sound better to me. So I listen to those uh, when I'm listening to music, I'm walking around or working. And then if I really like it, I still like the maxes for when I'm really like, I, the number one use for my maxes is for my TV. So I, I, oh, when interesting. I'm, so I, we have a, you know, the, the TV room is carries uh, into the rest of the house um, yeah. a lot. And so, so there's, there's um, some, you know, there's a, uh, I, I, there's like the family headset. That's a Bluetooth that somebody sent me a long time ago that everybody uses. And I can, I, I don't understand how it works. Like I can't figure out what the buttons do. So I just put on my Air Max and I, and I like my, my, my wife, my kids, they all know how the, how that, how that one works. I don't know. So I just bring my Max in and, and watch TV. I'm in at a night. almost identical situation. And, and when I sit down and make a conference call or a phone call, I look at my open comms. I look at my Max. I look at my AirPods. I almost always choose the AirShocks because if you say it yeah. sound, it's not your sound quality. That's okay, but the it's, it's mostly the, I can I can do dishes mm-hmm. and no one notices. That, yeah. that, that is literally yeah. The big thing I like I the open air. No yeah, the aftershocks former sponsor yeah. uh, are bone conduction, so they don't cover your ear. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I, I think you're right. When I'm looking at an Apple TV, I'm always going to reach for an Apple product because I always have to remember where the open comes. No, I push and hold this mm-hmm. button, and yeah, and exactly. then it pairs with that, and then it, so there's that you know extra cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I want comfort, uh, the uh, UE fits are really good because they're they're molded. Well, they just feel like they're part of your ear. Yeah, like, and and I find that the bass is way better. And no, you know, I, I think they sound better. Although it's great, you can almost wear those AirPods around all the time with AirPods Pro too, because when the phone rings, it says you know you're getting a call from Lisa, and you can say I'll take it, and all of that integration is pretty nice for like all the time. So it's and I have to admit that it's kind of perfect. The pairing and maybe maybe the new ones pair better because the 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 pairing made me so frustrated that I have I just stopped buying Apple. They seem to have solved that, or maybe it's very possible that I am just so you know used to it Mm -hmm. that I know I know I'm going to have to choose to keep it on there. I don't. I think they have. I think the AirPods Pro are two are better than they used to be. I used to lose them all the time. Are they? Is that I, admit, I have a lot of phones. Yeah. I have a lot of iPads. I have a lot of Macs. I have a lot of things that it could choose from. 
but I just feel like when I'm holding a phone, it, it should like I just feel like you're Apple, man. Like that's I'm partly that's Bluetooth's <laughs> problem, though, right? But, but, I mean, I'm, but I'm like, it should know that it should know with the W know. with the whatever the W one chip or whatever yeah. that the, the, the phone is moving and right. it's in a state of listening to something. Like, yeah. That's probably it the should one be that smarter. I, want, you know? I think they're yeah. better though, Jason. You think they're better than they used to? be? I think they are. Yeah. I yeah. I I don't get frustrated by that. You're why are you connecting to the wrong thing nearly as much as I used to? You know, I walk yeah. out of the house. I, I put them in. At, you know, my I put the earbuds in my ears when I'm next to my iPhone. It try, it connects to the phone. I walk out of my house and start playing something on my Apple Watch, and it immediately switches <laughs> and starts playing it off the Apple Watch. Ironically, though, I should we, we're talking about AirPods. Um, Wirecutter says that, especially if you're an Apple user, the best earbuds are the Beats Fit Pro, which are $50 cheaper. Are they uh, as good? I haven't even used also them. Also from Apple yeah. uh, and $50 cheaper. And they like, they've got a physical, um, a physical control for volume. Um, but, uh, you know, and it doesn't have a, like a wireless charging case. But just re- remember, Apple doesn't just make uh, the AirPods. They also make the Beats Fit products. And in many cases, those can be as good or better. Yeah, if you want voice-activated Siri control, the Beats Fit Pro, hundred fifty bucks. So it's a hundred bucks less. Is that fifty bucks less? No, it's a hundred bucks. bucks less. Is it? Oh, okay. Um, if you're an Apple fan and wants all the pairing and voice control convenience, so does so. Have you used these, uh, Jason? I haven't. I have friends who have who say they sound great. I am a, an AirPods person, AirPods yeah. Pro person. That's the one that fits the best for me. But yeah. these look good too. I, I and and I kind of like that they're not the white ones that are always there for Apple. I'm, I'm, I, other colors exist. Apple. I'm just curious yeah. if they have all the functionality the AirPods Pro 2 have. I think it's, I think it's based on the AirPods original. So I think okay. it doesn't have the latest and greatest stuff yeah. that's in the AirPods Pro 2, I think. The, the noise cancellation in the AirPods 2 is, is really good. Really, really good. Um, I think it is. Good enough to wear yeah. in an airplane. And uh, and that's yes. good. That's hard to do for earbuds. Uh, and I think that Kevin Tofel did a, a article on uh, Stacy's uh, webpage, Stacy on uh, IOT dot com, about using his AirPods Pro two as hearing aids. And uh, of course, they're not as good as hearing aids in terms of battery life and so forth. But he was able to use it to improve his hearing in a lot of situations, and that's kind of cool. And I think that's a newer feature. I don't know if the Beats Fit would do that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of untapped potential in this stuff. I won't go into. You've heard me say this before, so I won't go into my usual rant again. But uh, if Apple or Google or somebody decides that they're going to do augmented reality as just this one earbud that you might be wearing in your ear, oh my goodness, could they could they really take off? Could they? Could especially if it's enhanced with, uh, with Apple secret sauce that makes sure that when you're talking to your assistant, you're definitely talking to your assistant uh, and no other noise is getting in. Especially if it can tell where you're looking or rather where your, your head is turned at one point uh there's a lot of potential there and that that would justify for me the 200 dollars 250 dollars expense for me though however anything that's a wireless earbud is more like how well does it fit into my ear yeah. and once you've got that is it reasonably 
reasonably good audio, meaning I don't notice how bad the audio is. And then after that, it's like, well, I'd much rather buy, uh, if I have the choice between uh, $250 for these really nice name brand ones, or I could buy three sets of really nice $80 or $90 ones and make sure that there's one in each one of my bags now that more and more, now that more and more of my devices don't have, uh, don't have headphone, headphone ports. It's like that becomes a lot more important. These creature comforts become as important as the sound quality, I think, for most people. Yeah. Well, you got a choice, which is good. Um, the one exactly. report card grade I was surprised to see that we're talking about the six colors Apple report card, the thing Jason does every year, is in environmental and social, where Apple really touts this. You know, they build, bring Lisa Jackson on, uh, stand on the roof and stuff to really tout this, and it only got a 3.4. That's kind of a C minus. Yeah. How come? So to, uh, this category is funny, and people, some people ask, like, why do I even do it? And the answer is Apple talks about how they change, how they want to change the world and make the world a better place. And I think that opens them up to uh, questions about how they're doing. This is also everybody sees something different in here. Like people talk about their commitment to accessibility, and they say that they're doing great. Or their commitment to green energy, and they say that it's really admirable. Or using recycled metals in their products is great. But I will tell you, one of the big trends this year was Apple playing hardball in trying to prevent its retail employees from unionizing. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people just said um, that, you know, they're they like on one, on the one hand, advanced data protection. Good job. We really like that. On the other hand, trying to be a union buster, not so cool. And yeah. really everybody, it literally, everybody can believe they can put into that category what they want. All I'm doing is taking their numbers and averaging it out. But I think that that was the big one that I saw as a trend was the union. union well, also, the, uh, the fact that, uh, I mean, AirPods, return to work a little bit too. AirPods are not exactly an environmentally friendly product. Um, yeah. You can't. They, I mean, Apple would, Apple would tell you that you should bring them back when you're done with them and then they will disassemble them and all of that. But yeah, they are the least. Uh, re- least friendly and easily res- because they're glued in little tiny batteries and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the NLRB just got, just uh, uh, decided that the complaint that when uh, when Tim Cook basically said company wide that people who talk about events and uh, about goings on inside of Apple are enemies of Apple, Whoa. we hate them as much as I'm sure you loyal Apple employees do. <laughs> I, we assure you, we will continue to cr- discover and crush the people who discuss things that we don't want employees to discuss. NLRB said, "Hey, you know what? We." actually do think that maybe that was intimidation of employees and people who are trying to unionize. We're going to continue to move forward on this. Wow. Well, you know. Wow. That sounds like the 1984 ad. That's what the guy was saying. Yeah. On the screen, that was so that was so tone deaf. I, even I was surprised by that to have to have again because this this came right after uh, Apple was had some neg- had some negative PR, which they never they never enjoy having uh, about uh, unionization and working conditions inside of Apple. And Tim 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 Cook's like staff wide email was, well, we've heard all we've we say we've seen the same reports you did, and we feel exactly as you do." Pause. We are upset that our employees have. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to fight for you people who are loyal, oh, and don't wish for us to crush you. Like, okay, oh, Tim, wow. settle down. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Let's take another break, and then when we come back, all the other Apple news. I think we've said enough there is to, all there is to say about Apple's results, yeah? Yep. Uh, and probably more than there was to say about it. Let's Let's be <laughs> frank. Uh, this is Safer Internet Day, so please, ladies and gentlemen, wear your seatbelts as you listen to the show. 
today. We don't want anything to happen to our fine audience. And if something does happen to you, then there's ZocDoc, our sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I've used ZocDoc. I love ZocDoc. There's nothing worse than going to a doctor's appointment thinking, I'm going to be the center of attention. And the doctor's like looking at his watch, not paying attention, not helping you. Instead of getting a doctor that doesn't work for you, go to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app that lets you find and book doctors. But more importantly, maybe, they've got patient reviews. And you know they're going to take your insurance. That's one of the search fields. They're available when you need them. And they treat, you know, almost any condition under the sun. It's not just doctors. It's dentists, too, chiropractors. ZocDoc is absolutely the way to find your next doctor, somebody who does it the way you want. Now, everybody has kind of a different opinion about what your, how your doctor should be. Some people want the doctor just to say, this is what you should do, do it, boom. Some people want to hear all the rationales. They want to hear the information. I suspect much of our audience is like that. But here's how you find out what kind of doctor is this doctor because those reviews will tell you. And I'll tell you what, the worst time in the world is when you're not feeling your best, you're trying to hold it together, and now you got to find a doctor. You're just going to go to the first one. This is the time to go to ZocDoc right now. Use their free app. Millions of users rely on it. You can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule, and you can really drill down on the specialties, too. Uh, I was looking for, not for myself, but for a family member, a doctor who specializes in gerontology, geriatrics. I found a doctor. was a perfect fit. Book an appointment with a few taps in there. Although I will soon be looking for a geriatrics doctor too. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app. You can start feeling better with ZocDoc. iOS or Android, but I know you're going to want the iOS version. Actually, as always, the best thing to do, you might be tempted to go to the app store. Go to the website, ZocDoc.com slash MacBreak, and you get the link right there, and you can go right to it. It's the fastest way to find it. ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Mac break. Download the ZocDoc app for free, then find and book a top-rated doctor right now. Many of them, by the way, available within 24 hours. That's the other thing. Sometimes you find a doctor and uh, they're not taking new patients. That's frustrating. You don't have to worry about that with ZocDoc. Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Mac break. Authenticated, verified reviews. All the doctors, they're all in there. It's just the greatest. ZocDoc.com slash Mac break. We thank them so much for not just supporting our show, but really for doing what they do because it's a really useful service. Sockdoc.com slash Mac break. Are you all excited, Jason Snell, to watch Major League Soccer on Apple TV? Uh, <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> now, Premier League, that's something else, but this is MLS, which is the American MLS. Soccer League. Yeah. Uh, they launched it in 100 territories, which tells me that it's not just in the U.S. Nope. It's, this is uh, part of their worldwide soccer strategy. You can watch this stuff all, you know, all over the world, uh, the American Soccer League, which a lot of soccer stomps will be like, ugh, the American Soccer League. That's not very good. Yeah, I wonder but, how that goes over in Barcelona or, well, uh, you know, I'm in Madrid. Let's I mean, say, I mean, a lot of these games are at night. They're not going to really be watching them in uh, Europe anyway, but okay. they may be watching them in Central and South America and in Asia. Yeah. Where they are not necessarily the okay. the European soccer snobs that the rest of that Europe is, so we'll see. This is how, how it you goes. start, but It'll I think be, it, I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah, ninety nine dollars for the whole season or fifteen dollars a month. It uh, seventy nine if you're an Apple TV Plus subscriber. If you already have Apple TV Plus, and if you, of course yeah. if you have a family 
uh, you know, you can share it to up to six uh, a member. Are they uh, are they cracking down like Netflix is? Uh, do you have to? The family and Apple's terms have to be in the same IP address? No, no, it's anybody. It's your family. You still have to have hardware. <laughs> like, well, you know, so that, that's the advantage. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. don't. Yeah, they it's don't not a software only thing. Yeah. They they have they have a dongle of some kind that you have that's to deal with uh, all the yeah. time, and so they. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, a 10-year uh, contract is an opportunity to innovate around live sports. It right. doesn't, like, how it goes the first year is going to be them figuring out how, you know, the baseball, you know, Friday night baseball was them starting to figure that out. And to be honest with you, not doing very well when they first started. We'll see how the <laughs> season goes. But, you know, the commentary was disastrous. Um, and hopefully they'll they'll get better. I, I, I'd watch it for like 15 minutes and just go, I can't. I couldn't. Like, I don't think. It felt I don't think more boring people, than it actually is, which is hard to do with I, baseball. Well, the thing is, is that with a great, the thing about baseball is it, it lives on the commentators because mm-hmm. it is not moving very fast. And when you have a great baseball commentator, it's a lot of fun to watch because they're adding context. They're and adding you're learning about football. Wordle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, but when you, when you, uh, when you don't have good commentators, it's uh pretty painful and notable (laughs) about this is that they have hired some of the highest profile soccer commentators of course now granted they don't have jobs anymore right because all tv (laughs) is now going to be done on apple all the mls tv is uh, on apple's platform but they have hired a bunch of high profile people and the people i know who are in the know about like the great local broadcasters that a lot of them have been picked up here but the larger question is exactly what I would interpret Alex's statement as, which is the great thing about baseball, especially, is that you have local announcers. And I would say to Alex about Apple's announcers that if you listen to any national baseball broadcast, you will find it shocking how bad the announcers are. It's not just Apple's broadcast. A midweek MLB network game, some of the off-brand ESPN games, Sunday night baseball, really bad announcing, actually. There's a lot of bad national announcing to go along. The problem with MLS is... There isn't any local announcing. There, there are what thirty teams, and so fifteen games uh, per match, and they're going to have fifteen announcing sets for English language and Spanish. So basically, everybody's, uh, and they're not going to be tied to teams because the teams all move around. They're going to be a little bit regionally locked. There'll be some more West Coast announcers and East Coast announcers. But what that means is. If you're a fan of a team, you're not going to get a regular announcer every week. You're you're not. You're going to get one of the national announcers assigned to you just as it is in the NFL. And it'll be interesting to see how fans react to that because NFL fans don't seem to mind it. <laughs> but Major League Baseball fans uh, really, really mind it. And I don't know how that'll play out for Apple. But the bottom line is they are going to do it. And they're going to have English and Spanish in every game. And all the Canadian games will also have a French track, which is awesome. Oh, well, and good. I think that... I think one of the challenges with with national football, for instance, I mean U.S. football, American football, or whatever, is that is that that they do have really good national announcers because they're paying them an insane amount of money, and they're actually, um, you know, it falls off really fast. Like, and I know that people yeah, aren't that, happy that with Tony Romo. That fourth CBS but, announcing team is yeah, very I have good, to right? say, yeah, <laughs> no, what I'm saying I've, is, heard, is that, I've seen some. What I was going to say, bad. <laughs> it's it's in my opinion, there's there there's uh, um, there's like three crews. In national football, yeah. that I that I'll and if and if if it's not the Steelers, it has to be one of those three crews, or I'm not going to watch. You know, like it's, you know, um, it's the you know the the Thursday night football team, the Sunday night football team, and wherever Tony Romo is <laughs> for me. Yeah. You yeah. know, like you know, I know people complain about it, but I sure do love listening to him. No, talk. I like and him so, too. Um, yeah. He knows what he's talking about. And, yeah, and the and the Manning brothers. If you don't give them any hosts, you know, and 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 I think that to what Jason was talking about, I think that that is the thing that people are missing is the magic of 
ESPN is failing on that, you know, that, that model, but they're slowly figuring this out and they're, you're slowly getting rid of all, they're slowly getting rid of all the other guests and letting the Manning brothers just do their thing, watching football, two geeky brothers who actually played football um, for years and at a high level and talking to each other and letting them just do inside football the whole time. And hopefully MLS can get to a point where there's a stream because the best part of HLS streaming is that I can put a whole bunch of tracks in there. Like I can sit there and just go, hey, we're going to take two uh, of the ducks and put them in there and let them just watch the game and talk. And that can just be another track. And it's in the grand scheme of the cost of production, it's very low to let someone sit there and watch a feed and talk about it while they're while they're doing it. And so I think that they could innovate in a lot of ways that you can't in broadcast in national broadcast where you could have, I mean, you could have the beginner's one where they explain to you everything that you're watching and, and what, what does this mean? And they could have the geeky one where they're only, or the numbers one where they're only talking about the stats. Statcast. You know, Statcast, you know, or, 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 the, or how, or you could literally probably put up and have one stream that's a corner of how you score the, use the score thing on the program and the thing. When I was a kid, that was my life was that, that little. Uh, <laughs> it's the only way to watch carving. baseball is to score along yeah. with the game. Otherwise, you drift off to sleep. <laughs> yeah, hot dog. There's, there's hot dogs. There's cheering. There's oh, beer. There's, yeah, but I got a problem because I always get mustard and relish on my scorecard, and it's just a mess. Yeah. Uh, you, something that they're doing with, with soccer that I hope they do with baseball, too, is with the MLS matches. And the relationship's different, but the local radio broadcast of the home team so will good. be, will be simulcast. Yeah. And yeah. so will they do that? I would love to see them make a deal with MLB where they're allowed to do that yeah, with I wish they would. their yeah. broadcast, too, yeah. so that you can watch their announcers. Yes. Um, I think the fear is that nobody will watch their announcers then. They will all say, show me my local radio right. broadcast instead. Mm-hmm. But at least they'll still be watching Apple TV. Maybe that's yeah. all that matters. Well, yeah. and, and again, the the, the geeky part of it is, you know, I, I went to a game with someone who trains um, players, pl- trains, trains baseball players, you know, like when they're in high school and, and before they go to college and watching someone and used to be a pro player um, and, and uh, watching him, he'd go, oh, he's going to try to hit on. He's going to try to pull it, watch where he's putting his foot. And then now the pitcher has to make a decision about about how they're going to whether they're going to throw a, a slider to the outside or whether they're gonna, like there there's this. Where, where the batter wants to put his foot and where and whether he's bluffing and whether he's doing and, and for him the whole game is very complicated and happening all the time and you're watching like all the shifts and all the things but we never see any of that because the announcers never most of the announcers never yeah. played baseball <laughs> they don't they don't know what they're looking I mean they, yeah. they know the stats and they know the basic stuff but they're not watching as a baseball player sitting there going when he moves his hips that way this is what he's this is what yeah. he wants to do I'll, I'll just say Alex the best announcers know all that stuff <laughs> yeah. the best announcers know all that them. stuff I just, they, I they're not don't. you don't have to be a jock to be a good announcer yeah. maybe it helps but you don't have to be yeah. i just haven't heard it like i hear it from players i just don't hear it from announcers but i maybe i don't watch it. i don't watch enough baseball because the pirates aren't very good <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that that's that's always my fear that uh, i think that apple apple could do a whole bunch of wonderful, thing, wonderful things to innovate how uh, how a sports broadcasts are are, are are put out there but it really comes you can't lose sight of the fact that great sports broadcasting it's about great storytelling um, it doesn't matter if you've got the ability to choose whatever angle you want uh, or if, hey we're going to make sure that instead of one or two announcers there are going to be a hundred announcers you can always choose uh, you choose which one is streaming that you like the best uh, I hope that they co- that any good sports channel is going to make sure that they're developing the talent inside that booth uh, those teams of people that Everyone in that booth has something to contribute. Uh, just as you say, even if it's uh, even in the, uh, the the former catcher who 
doesn't necessarily speak all the time, but the one the time that he does speak, he says, "Oh, you can see that that Willingson is uh, is is trying to increase the strike zone. He's usually has, he usually has, he usually has very very good luck with this with this particular umpire, and I think that we're going to see a pitching change because of it. All that sort of stuff. Where he, I had no idea that was going on. I thought there was just grown men, grown millionaires throwing balls at each other, and instead there's this real like operatic passion play going on of lies, deceit, deception, uh, mistrust." Uh, and yeah, th- that's the sort of thing that you need to invest in people who are really great storytellers, not just people who know when to switch the camera. Uh, Matthew Panzerino got a interview with Apple's vice president of platform architecture and hardware technologies, Tim Millett, as well as VP of worldwide product marketing, Bob Borchers about the Apple M series chips. I tried, I really did try to read it, but I'm hoping <laughs> One of you actually got all the way through it and uh, found something of interest. Was there anything interesting? A lot, my, my, my favorite part was a long discussion about Max and gaming, uh, which I thought was very forthright uh, in that they didn't, uh, there, were, there, were, there were pointed questions about if Apple is ever going to be a really attractive target for AAA gaming, which is always, I mean, as I think as almost as long as I've been covering Apple, I mean, they, uh, Dark Castle was a big hit. Okay, Harrier Strike, another really big hit. Shuffle Puck Cafe, another big hit. After that, the Mac has Mac has oh, had a really long dry that stretch. Paper airplane game that was good. There you go, Glider. Uh, oh, these, these these were all these were all. But Apple has had such a hard time making the Mac into an attractive platform, and so there, there there was a long conversation about very again very forthright about how we know that we're not going to be able to turn this around very quickly. We think that with uh, with Metal Three. Uh, we, and with what we're doing with the M1 series that we're trying to convince, we're, 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 we're trying to get developers to understand what an opportunity the Mac is now as a platform. Just the idea of having a uh, combined video RAM that having, imagine having a graphics, uh, a GPU that has 96, uh, 96 gigabytes of RAM. You know, that could be interesting on the Mac Pro uh, to, to develop for uh, and even on a smaller scale with the with the uh, with the iMacs and stuff like that, um, because we would love to I, I would I, I would love to be I, I'm not in the position where I can I think I can justify five hundred dollars for uh, for a really good game console. And I'm certainly not going to spend two thousand dollars on a Windows gaming machine. But if my new M2 Mac mini were able to play uh, I we're, we're able to play some of these really great uh, top tier games at the, at a level that would be at the same level as a $2000 gaming PC. Maybe I would spend $70 uh, on something like the new Red Dead Redemption uh, on uh, this is the sort of stuff that would get me interested in it and it's a big big problem trying to get these developers to understand that no this is not a barren wasteland there's actually money to be made please come make money on our platform. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they made it clear that when they designed the chips originally for iOS, they weren't building any of those capabilities in because you're not going to do them on a phone. But now that they're on the desktop, that might be the biggest distinction between the A15 yeah. and A14 for iPhone versus an M1 or M2 for the Mac is that they are putting more energy into GPU design and metal and so forth. It didn't sound like, maybe I missed it, that they were talking to partners about like let's say AMD about making uh, discrete graphics that they really wanted to make Apple graphics be the way to go. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the, yeah. Ahead, all the ahead, way. It, it, it just, it's been architected that way from the beginning, the amount of effort that they would need to do to add uh, non Apple GPU stuff onto a Mac pro basically like, 
they might do it, but it would be a huge amount of effort and it would really require a rethink of some of the stuff. And the question is, would you do all that to rethink your processor architecture for the Mac Pro, which is the nichiest of what is already a niche product, <laughs> the Mac and Apple's overall revenue, right? I think that's the challenge there. I think it's more likely, right, that they might do something where there's an add-on card that adds a bunch of Apple GPUs. But I, I, it's, yeah, the whole gaming thing, like Apple's never gotten gaming. When Apple's been successful at gaming, and Andy knows this going back, way back. And when Apple's been successful with gaming, it's been by accident because they yeah. built hardware that people have wanted to play games on. And that's what happened with the iPhone and the App Store. And so, <laughs> and, and at this point, I feel like it's been so long that, I mean, we can talk about games on the Mac, but the truth is Apple just uses games on the Mac as a proxy to talk about their GPU performance. And there aren't, I mean, nobody is, I mean, yes, you can play Resident Evil, the latest version, uh, Resident Evil Village on the Mac, and it looks great. But that is a, also a two, three-year-old game, and it's like the one, and the rest don't exist. And it's because the, that ship has sailed. That's that's just it. So Apple just uses that as it's good for marketing, and you see it in the iPhone demos, right? It's a good proxy for their GPU prowess when the fact is most people are not playing super rev 3D uh, <laughs> role-playing games on their iPhone. They're playing casual games, but it's useful for Apple to have that uh, to show off. I, you know, and, and I think that Apple, it would behoove Apple to really think, and this is in a couple different layers, of really look at what Epic's doing with the mega grants and think about how, they're, how they could in, incentivize people to, to do some tests, not even create a whole game. Um, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a pretty weak point, in my opinion, in gaming in that they're not very, I get that esports feels really big but it's still really small (laughs) and and it's, and part of it is because it's too geeky. You know, it's our local uh, high schools, Petaluma high and Casa Grande just announced esports teams. They're playing, playing Mario Kart. uh, (laughs) That will be on a par with their baseball and football teams. When you look at the but when you look at the real numbers of users and real numbers of viewers, I mean they they can fill a stadium, but can they do that in twenty seven yeah. you know twenty seven cities every yeah. week reliably and probably not, and and so the thing is is that there it's still a very very you know small and undeveloped market, and part of the problem is is that most of the games are too complex to watch, yeah, and so they you know they're they're you know it's it's just too many things going on, too many places you don't know where you are, the camera work is really horrible, the you know there's a whole bunch of things that that could be a lot better and Apple could innovate in those areas and really press down on it. Um, and probably, you know, using, because there's things you can do with that GPU and that CPU that would make them competitive if they took full advantage of them and funding things that would actually do that would be pretty interesting, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's a market that could be taken, um, away from the, the relatively small market that it is right now. You know, we all, we all know that, uh, famously Apple has hired filmmakers just to be on staff at Apple to use the tools that they're developing. So they get a better eye on what's working, what's not, what's, uh, what, what they need to go for, what, uh, what they need to abandon. You think that they have a couple of game developers on board that are, ju- they're just doing that same sort of thing that we, we, we need to understand how game developers are pressing the hardware and what's, what's not working. I don't think you want game developers. Like, I think that's the problem. Like, the problem is people from the inside constantly making things that aren't going to be scalable. Like, you know, and so the thing is, is that what you want is to get some folks from regular, regular sports talking to people who develop games and build something that is like football or baseball or soccer, not those games, but something that is in a much more open space. Um, 
you know, it's and it, it, the problem is it's not very viewable. Like, you know, and, and so the thing is it's viewable oh. for the people who are into the game. It's just I, not I, I, I didn't mean for, as, I didn't mean as an audience thing. I just meant as, pro- yeah, go ahead. Again, again, I think I think that we know what pushes those things is the problem is, is that the, the game development themselves, you, you're not going to get something new until you find somebody that's outside of that going back in. You know, and 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 I don't know if, if Apple found that they have the money to actually drive that in and, and build it so that it takes full advantage of the hardware. Like if you have a you could have something that would you could have something because of the way the iOS and blends into Mac OS. You could have something that that can be played on a phone and it takes full advantage of an ultra phone or whatever they whatever they want and can be played on a Mac Pro that is totally decked out. And it will suck up every ounce of processing power in both ends, you know, and you could build you could build something like that and make it viewable. And if Apple did something like that, they would they would be able to it's not, they would be able to do something that was new and different. They're not going to be able to do they can't do more of the same and expect to ever have any impact. They're going to have to disrupt the market with something else if they if they if they care. Mm. I don't know if Apple cares. Yeah, I, I just I just meant in the sense not in the sense of actually making a product or making even necessarily making a demo, but the the fact that again they have filmmakers that whose job is not necessarily just to make Apple training videos and Apple uh, marketing videos, but also we want someone who actually does this for a living who's entered this company only two or three years ago to use our products to use early editions of our products to to really to to be the first people to tell us how much our our, our editing software stinks before actually and. I Actual paying customer does so. I, 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 it just I just suddenly just thought that uh, even if they don't have this is not something they're going to be putting into Apple Arcade or something. If they had a couple of game developers who are who are ready to get a, have a regular nine to five job salary, not not be fired at the end of every crunch cycle, and simply say have, build games that will necessarily not necessarily not not be released, but you will tell us what the, what the what the battle what the bottlenecks are in our graphics pipeline. You will tell us where Xcode is falling short you're telling us where my god if i were just doing if i were doing this for any other graphics uh, graphics target this would be so easy why are you making this so hard well and the hard part is figuring out how big of the market it is that 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 would be doing it because you know the filmmakers i I can as a as someone who's done this i mean i was i had i was complaining uh to someone about the fact that (laughs) That when I recorded uncompressed 444 footage, this is 10 years ago. I was more more than 10 years, 15 years ago. I'm like, I'm recording uncompressed 444 footage uh, into uh, my Mac through Final Cut Pro. And it's, you know, I'm dropping frames, you know, every X number. And and literally what came back is you're the only person in the world doing that. <laughs> like, I just want to make sure your development time is probably going to be very low because you're not, you know, it's not a very large, we don't see that as a large addressable market. And, and it was just flat. It was someone being flat with me. Like, we're not probably not going to fix that problem. And, and the, um, and it was, it was an eye opener for me because I had to think through that lens. And like, I, I was just doing something in Keynote and I thought of this cool animation that I wanted in Keynote and I started trying to build it in Keynote. I built a pretty complex set of animations with Keynote, but then there was all these things missing. And I was like, I'm going to send Apple like a whole slew of feedback things and explain exactly what I'm trying to do. And I was like, who else is ever going to yeah, do what I'm yeah. doing? You know, like, you know, so, so I think that's always the, the hard part when you have even filmmakers talking to Apple. It's like they want a bunch of things from Final Cut. But the question is, is does that really what will 90 percent of the market do 90 percent of the time is kind of Apple's sweet spot. One other thing, I, and maybe I'm just reading between the lines in this uh, Panzerino interview, but I got the sense, maybe, Jason, you've kind of said this, so maybe you can confirm whether this is what you read out of it, too, that they released the M2 only because they felt like they kind of had to keep up a year-to-year cadence. 
He said, uh, Millet said, to make sure people didn't see the M1 as a one and done. Kind of implying that, yeah, we know the M2 isn't a big jump, but we got to put it out. And um, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking maybe next year it's it's the M3 that we should be uh, looking for a big jump. Do you did you get that yeah. same sense? Yeah, reading between the lines, and I've interviewed um, Tim Millet, 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 Millet a bunch of times, and he's a, a really forthcoming guy. Actually, he's more forthcoming than I think Apple PR would like him to be sometimes. <laughs> but and he's a straight shooter, I would say, and very enthusiastic about what Apple has done with with its chips. And yes, reading between the lines here, part of it is what makes this unique is it's the second one. And so we're doing it again, right? And and yet you do get the feeling like maybe M3 and we've talked about it here before, maybe M3 is is where they move, they sort of leapfrog one generation of of iPhone chips and it's got a whole bunch of new stuff in it and the M2 is more just to keep the keep the trains running, keep the ball rolling. And honestly, if you're inside Apple, I would imagine it's hard to get super excited about the M2 when you probably are working on like the M5 you know. right yeah. now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and you know that the M3 is the one that's really hot. The M2 is okay. But like, I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, the M2 exists in part to just make everybody understand Apple's in this. They're going to keep making these chips. They're going to keep getting better. And like, I know we did it once, but we got to show you that we're we're committed and we're still going to be here. And yeah, it's incremental, but. Yeah, if I were him, I, I probably wouldn't be that excited about it because I suspect that there are bigger things uh, coming down the road. Uh, we reported, of course, last week that uh, Evans Hankey was leaving Apple after three years uh, as design head. She took over for Johnny Ive. Now, uh, from Mark Gurman comes the story, Apple is not going to replace her, that the team of industrial designers will just report to Jeff Williams, the chief operating officer, and there will be no longer will be a design chief role that's to me kind of interesting if true um is do you think apple is burned feels a little burned by the johnny ive era and saying yeah we gave johnny way too much power maybe we don't need somebody in charge uh with that kind of power maybe jeff could just run this team any thoughts feels, Andy? feels oh, or, go, ahead. go ahead you can you can start yeah. jason as a you know somebody who used to manage a bunch of people, it feels to me like this is a situation where two things are happening. One is Johnny I've left, and he left with a lot of his people, and so I think that there maybe was a brain drain inside this organization. And Evan ha Evans Hanky stepped up and said, "I'll do it for a while," and then she's like, "I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah. And when they make this thing where they're like they're going to elevate some of the leaders in the design group to run the groups, and then they're all going to report to Jeff Williams, like Jeff Williams doesn't want all these designers reporting to him. He totally doesn't want that, but. I, so the way I read it is not that this is some sort of, I mean, it could be, but it's unlikely to to me that this is some sort of scheme where it's operations taking control of the design department. feels to me more like they didn't have a candidate to be the number one on the inside. They don't want to hire on the outside for this. This is not the kind of job you hire from the outside to be designer at Apple, uh, design lead at Apple. It just doesn't happen. It would have to be a former Apple person coming back for that to work at all. And I just, I immediately saw this and thought they don't have somebody who's a clear number one who stepped forward and they've got a bunch of people. They may actually be afraid to lose if they promote one of them because they're a group of peers. Right, so right. we're just gonna let it ride. We're going to give those more senior people a little more authority over their teams. We're going to say it reports to Jeff and Jeff is probably like designers. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk to you because he doesn't want a bunch of designers. No, he's, he's he really, Tim he really doesn't anointed successor. He's the operations guy. He's the, the uh, you know supply chain guy, and so this isn't 
This is exactly who you don't want to run design if you want good design. But as exactly. as German points out, Apple still has some veterans from the IVE era, including Molly Anderson, Duncan Kerr, Bart Andre, Richard Haworth, Peter Russell Clark, and Ben Schaefer. I think you nailed it when you said Apple didn't want to take one of them and put them in charge because the others would go, screw that. Right. Um, and then you and then you've got an even worse brain drain than you already have yeah, with Johnny Ive yeah. taking so many people with him when he left. I think that yeah. sounds exactly uh, exactly right. Haworth was briefly the head of industrial design uh, between 2015 and 2017, while I was still there, but just not as involved. And uh, German says he struggled he struggled to manage a crew of former peers. Uh, he's been at Apple for 30 years. I think that makes a lot of sense that uh, you trust you trust these guys. I don't know if you really want uh, yeah. Jeff Williams to be saying. You know, this should be a lighter shade of a paler shade of blue. But, <laughs> right. um, you know, maybe and in the background, maybe you're keeping an eye on them and saying like one of them will step yeah. forward yeah. and you could down the road in a few years, you could you could promote them to do this. Okay. But like there is if you're if you're Apple and you're in this situation where you can't hire from outside and there's nobody who you could really promote or if there is, it's somebody who would be a little shaky or the other three or four senior people would quit then what do you do? And the answer is you do this. So I don't know for sure that this is what's going on here, but from the outside, that sure feels like what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, and, and that makes sense. I, I guess I have to say, I think they probably felt a little burned by the Johnny Ive era where Johnny got more and more power, including over not just industrial design, but software and so forth. Well, and they maybe and didn't want to go and, that way again. I think that Johnny Ive's, uh, Johnny Ive, um, uh, was checked by Steve. You know, Steve would. You know, like right. He, they had somebody was, to keep you know, a, keep an eye on him. And there was a, there was a yin and yang. Yeah. And 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 then when the one half of that went away, he just kind of kept spiraling up um, because there was no one there that that he respected enough to really get checked by. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think that was. That <laughs> In was case you're down. curious, Johnny though is keeping busy. He's just recently designed a new <laughs> clown nose for uh, comic relief, Red Nose Day. Uh, it's a flat pack uh, design. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, it works great. Yeah, it's largely made of paper and it folds out, but it does fold back into a small case for Red Nose Day, I, I, which I, I was I told over uh, is. on. Is oh well, Comic Relief. Uh, it benefits many charities. Um, it was started in the it's, U.S., but apparently, I was told by Will Harris, who was on Twitter on Sunday, it's become huge in the U.K. You know, yep. just as on on uh, on Memorial Day, you see, or is it Veterans? No, Memorial Day, you see the red poppies uh, everywhere. Apparently, a lot of people walk around with red noses uh, on uh, March seventeenth, yep. and uh, if you if you are really in the know, you'll have this Johnny Ive designed special red nose. And you can't, and they're sold out. You used to be able to buy them off of Amazon UK, but you cannot. You did you try to buy his red nose? I did try to buy the red <laughs> nose. I, it's a Johnny, it's a Johnny I've de de designed product I can actually afford £2.50. I got that. I can do that. Uh, yeah, it's it, it looked pretty, pretty cool too. And, and also do a YouTube search for Red Nose Day because a lot of comedians, like a lot of actors, like will come out, bring old characters out of retirement and basically re get the band back together and do new comedy uh, for Red it's Nose a, Day. It's, it's a very big stuff. deal. And they, last year yeah. they raised... Uh, in the UK alone, forty-two point eight million pounds for uh, a variety of uh, of good uh, causes. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, By the way, about about Johnny uh, having too much power, I will say that you know Apple benefited after Steve died. Apple used Johnny and his high profile sure. and kept him to say stay and kept sure. giving him power yeah. because they 
you know, they didn't want the double whammy of losing Steve and then losing Johnny. So it's not all like Johnny. I think if you read that, the, that book that came out by trip Mickle, like Johnny kind of did, was done. Right. And they're like, no, no, Johnny, you can work at home. You can go to England. You can have, you can be in charge of software. You can make a car. You can, you know, we'll give you money. Just please stay. And, and they did that for a while. And they're finally like, all right, okay, we, we, enough time has passed. We'll let you go. And, and so they're kind of undoing some of that stuff now too. Yeah, I think I think that's 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 really positive. When you find that you have a role, you have a, a such a senior role that is now vacant, and then you realize that we don't need that to be that role at that level anymore. We don't need to have someone reporting directly to the CEO on design. We can actually just have a bunch of people that are working both collaboratively and individually on projects as needed. That's right. a that's a that's a really that's a sign of a really well run company when you simply because you know you know how like government bureaucracy is that. The, when the when the when the pushback against the uh, against the development of any new government agency, no matter how important it is, is that once their mission is over with, it will not be possible to shut this down because that's not how governments work. Right. Uh, people protect their budgets. The fact that Apple simply said, "You know what? We're just not going to refill this position. Where this position is no longer necessary." That's I'm, really good for Apple. Yeah, I'm sure that Jeff Williams would like ultimately there to be somebody in he- as a head of our hardware design to go with Alan Die as the head of software design, just because. Again, I think if you're Jeff Williams, having more direct reports is not what you want, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think I think we've all anybody who worked in a corporate structure knows when they hand you a bunch of new direct reports and you're like, what, what, why? <laughs> so I'm sure Jeff Williams doesn't want them, but like clearly they don't have one now. I don't think anybody is ever going to be exalted Johnny Ive, right? Reports to the CEO can do whatever he wants. Like that's not going to happen. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next three or four years they do identify somebody in that group and say, okay, th- this person's the leader um, and that it, and that they are ready for that. But they're clearly not ready for it now. So here we and, are. And I just want to Sorry, point Jeff. out, uh, Andy, that you can get a red nose on eBay. Just you might want to go right now for $10.80, get the official. Oh, I, I don't. I don't got ten dollars and eighty cents. Like, <laughs> especially the Mac, especially the current macroeconomic exchange rates. Yeah, I, mean, I, had, yeah. I had that. Headwinds. Um, headwinds. The headwinds. Headwinds. Well, you know, it's a little harder to brace those headwinds when you're wearing a big red nose. So, and somebody pointed out that March seventeenth is also St. Patrick's Day, so many will get their red noses for free. So, you know, it works. It's a win-win all around. If you are on eBay, you might want to bid on some old Apple crap. Quite a bit of old Apple crap, as a matter of fact. Uh, retro computing website Vintage Apple is selling its entire collection, 500 items on eBay, uh, including leases. Be nice to get that in the 40th anniversary. Accelerators, compact Macs, complete working systems, CRTs, printers, yes, laser writers, power books, and more it's on ebay there's a uh, full listing if you're if you're in the market for some old apple crap it's kind of expensive i mean a powerbook 100 for 160 bucks yeah yeah um well they they're, they're, are they selling it as individuals or as a lot so I'm, I'm seeing the li- i'm seeing the link and the uh, uh, uh looks like you can buy individuals a- so for instance okay uh they are selling the mac pro which i spent a little more than 300 dollars for i think as i remember is for three hundred ten dollars. This is a hundred twenty eight gigabyte, two terabyte, uh, twelve core Apple Mac Pro. But they have enough of them, I guess. Well, now maybe is this the same sale? It's in the listing. Looks like you can you can configure it. 
I gave mine to uh, Nathan Oliveris Giles, so uh, I don't. <laughs> Maybe he's selling his. This looks like a massive lot of vintage Mac stuff. Oh, wait a minute. You're right. Wait a minute. You're right. These were similar items. No, you're right. They're selling the whole thing yeah. for twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> and you got to do free local pickup in Santa Barbara. And it looks like they weren't able to sell it actually because yeah. sale the auction has ended. Yeah, it's yeah, they're, they're too they're, 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 there's too much funniness funniness going on with the, the used Apple market now that now that like you have middle aged people who like now they're no longer they no longer have to support their kids they're now like ooh I'm gonna I'm gonna reassemble that that uh, that Mac two C Mac uh, SE thirty that I used to have. And yeah, I mean, they, they, these things are basically, they're sold to the millions. They're almost certainly going to require a lot of work to get them work actually functioning again. And you can just go to archive.org and rerun all that, all, all, yeah. all the old software and I emulation don't know through a web browser for free. You got to drive to yeah. Santa Barbara to pick it up. They have relisted it. The starting bid is 11000 still. Although the yeah. buy it now price of a mere fifteen. $14,500 is a pretty good deal if you yeah. want to get a whole It just, it just costs so much crap. to store that stuff. I think that's why he's selling it, right? He's yeah, like, I mean, I got I, I used to have a lot more stuff than I used to. Like, after years and years at the MIT flea market, and I just had, I was spending so much money just to keep this in stores that I realized that, you know what, I could I could just, like, get throw out all of it, rebuy anything that I want if I ever think of it in the next 10 years, and I won't make money back on the deal. Yeah. yeah. And don't bother contacting him saying, well, I'd take that uh, daisy wheel off your hands. He says, I'm not selling yeah. it individually, just as you said, Andy. It's it's all or nothing. <laughs> Boy, he's a, he was a pack rat. Look at all this stuff. Holy cow. Yeah. See, that's, the, again, there's so many collections like this because there's so yeah. many years in which, like, the, anything in the, any classic Mac and the classic Mac form factor, there were, there were years, the MIT flea market, where it, it came down to, if someone had 10 of them and you offer them $5 for the lot, you could take them. And that, that was <laughs> most take them off of the my Mac. hands. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just want, I just want, I don't want to deal with like recycling a CRT. They're, they're taking too much room. Uh, I have a child now. I have responsibilities. I'm a grown up now. Uh, and now I think that's, you're seeing a lot of people that were able to scoop up these things for, well, for 10 bucks. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that for 10 bucks. And now you've got this huge, huge garage full of stuff that you realize now that you don't really enjoy anymore. And it's not giving you any pleasure. I, 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 I've only kept like a handful of them. The ones that I think that are like frog design ones, like the, uh, the iMac G3, uh, things that I think are really pretty in and of themselves. And I have, I just have them as like ornaments in, in my house. Uh, cause, oh my God, if you, if you decide to say, I'm going to get every Performa in a in a in a big rack with labels on them. Oh my God! How can you afford to have a library space where you can have all the Performas like stacked up like that? Good heavens! It is safer Internet Day today. Celebrate has as as you wish. Apple has a whole page dedicated to families. Apple.com/slash/families where they talk about all the things you can do to protect your uh, kids online. They are also adding some uh, today at Apple uh, classes for uh f for kids and families to talk about you know being safe online and so forth i think that's a, that's a good thing so this is a very elaborate uh, page with a lot of stuff also as long as you're going back to uh, apple.com you might note a redesign can you tell me what the redesign is look at this they got drop down menus <laughs> okay how exciting is that huh 
Now, uh-huh. it might not work in Safari, but if you run it in Chrome, <laughs> that has all the, all the, all the latest J- JavaScript standards, you're good. Look at that. Look at that. Is it, is it, it runs in Safari, right? I would hope. Right? Well, no, I'm, I'm joking, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it in Firefox and it works. They want to get your money with one fewer click. That's that's smart. That's just marketing. Well, in a way, it kind of is needed because what you had to do in the past is yeah. click on the heading and then go to that page and drill down. Now, when you hover over a heading, you can see yeah. all of the things that have to do with Macs and go a little bit yeah. faster to the page you want. P- particular because particular because before you'd click on iPad and you'd get the landing page for whatever the latest hottest right. iPad is that they were trying to sell you right. and it became a little bit difficult. No, I I thought that there was a my 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 friend told me there was a really great one for four hundred ninety nine dollars. What's this thousand dollar iPad Pro? Yeah, yeah. I guess this might be of interest to you, Alex, considering your expertise with Midjourney, the startup that started. Stable Diffusion is launching a generative AI for video. It's called Gen and 1. Google's, go ahead. Yep. Google's got it too? Yep. Yeah, Google's doing some stuff as well. Um, you know, so it's definitely, uh, I mean, everybody's doing it. I mean, uh, most of these companies, the, the, the smaller companies that are going out, the, the bigger companies have been working on this for a decade. They just right. weren't putting them out because they're afraid to get sued. Yeah. They're afraid to get sued. And, and right. so they, and, and, um, and so when everybody else got them out, it's kind of forced them all to the front. Um, but stable diffusion, I, I imagine that we'll see something from, uh, I don't know about mid journey, but potential, I mean, obviously some, at some point, but also open AI will most likely um, put something out. They kind of have a lot of general purpose type, type solutions. Um, but, uh, but I think that, uh, the video is going to be really interesting. And again, I, I think that my experience right now is that I'm not too worried as an artist, like I, as an artist, I wouldn't worry too much about all of these things because people are asking to do something specific, but as it's, if, if I was doing stock photography or stock video, I'd be super concerned yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I just, I'm doing a presentation right now and I, I had, a, I needed a whole bunch of little illustrations that are just kind of fun. And in every page, I'm using Midjourney, like like literally, oh, like oh, cool. I'm I, yeah. you know, and, and just like these little examples of things and funny pictures and everything else. I'm just throwing these all in, and and I used to use, I used to spend like a a doc, a, a doc like this. I would spend four hundred dollars on stock photography, and now I'm spending nothing. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah. I, you know, and I'm getting better images. You know, so yeah. that's the problem. So they apparently they've been this has been out for a while because uh, commercial interests have been using it. They were it was used to generate video or you know motion pictures for everything everywhere all at once and the late show mm-hmm. used it for their uh for their show open and so forth so i guess others are, are using this um that's interesting we're and it's you, still there's music now stills. there's stills there's video i don't know if the Google look it turn people into claymation like, that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> take a video and turn everybody into claymation yeah or pr- make yourself on yeah. the moon I thought I thought it was very interesting the way that the 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 Google system you can basically take existing photos. And it's not necessarily that's going to animate those photos, but you use photos to essentially storyboard what you want them to do. So if you say I want the I I, I want a, dinos- a, a dinosaur on the middle of a, a grassy knoll, uh, and I want there to be a duck in the in the horizon that's moving towards. You don't you, you can basically start with well here's a picture of something on the grass uh, on the left, and it's just a dog. But Google will say oh I know. I know where you're going here. I know that you want, I know what you want. I can modify this, how you want it to, how you want it to go. This is pretty cool. So you have, Alex, I can just imagine you using this for stuff down the road. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the video and the audio, the video music is still pretty, 
pretty early on. It's a couple of years behind the images and the, and the, uh, you know, so when I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's fine, but I don't know what I would do with it. Yeah. Like mid journey and G- chat GPT, we know what to do with. Like how a lot is this, this going to, uh, and it really isn't part of Mac break weekly, but it's, since I got you here, how is this going to shake out? Now there are quite a few lawsuits. Getty just joined the uh, crowds uh, suing to stable uh, diffusion. That, this is uh, the, the artists who created the originals are very upset. The, the risk really is losing. Like if they, you know, so the risk of this, what's kept everybody out was afraid they were going to get sued. So this, the lawsuits are going to clarify the law. Um, I think that it's going to be, you know, if you put your stuff on the internet, it's going to be pretty hard to say that something that, you know, that, that they, because it's not cutting and pasting anything from it. It's building models the way, you know, not exactly the way a human would, but if I was looking at a lot of images, I, I you know, we, and, and I think that the, the testimony is probably going to be talking to a lot of artists who say, well, like I know when I build something, I build a vision board. You know what that vision board is? It's everybody else's work. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. all this stuff. Like we study, you know, we, we've had, I've had people like take a commercial and just break down every shot and we look at it and we go, okay, we like this part. We like that part. Let's take this part of this, this part of this. And then we build something on our own that doesn't look like that, that commercial, but we definitely got ideas from that. And so, so I think that the, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a hard, it's a hard case to win. I think it's not impossible. Definitely could win. Um, it's a hard case to win. And if they lose, it's over. Like, mm-hmm. like as soon as they, if it gets to the Supreme Court and they, and they lose these lawsuits that they're putting in. It'll be a trillion dollars the next year of, of investment that will just bury everything, you know, and because what's keeping everybody out is the risk of it. But once that risk is once there's precedent, it's going to be it's going to be game over. Yeah. You know, although there was some disruption last year when an academic paper got published that demonstrating that uh, diffusion model based AI image generators can actually be tricked into regenerating uh, source images or the, the images that they were trained on. Uh, so not, not that, not that I, not that I think that this, this, uh, this makes, uh, makes this whole system morally bankrupt. But now if some, if a company did want to sue or if, I, if I'm a photographer and I say, well, I know that, I know that my pictures appeared in that $2.2 billion data set that uh, your diffusion, your stable diffusion model was trained on. And I see a picture that was generated that looks a lot like mine. Now, guess what? In the court of law, you're going to have to prove that your that your AI did not actually reassemble uh, my original source. And just the fact that even if they can't prove it, the fact that this makes things in doubt means that we're really going to have to spend a couple of years not just developing the technology, but having lots of lawsuits and having lots of judges establish uh, establish precedents on here's what copyright law, how, here's how copyright law applies to generative AI. Does it apply to Alex who uh, created the prompt for the image? Does it apply to the AI that actually generated the image? Does it apply to the $2.2 billion creator, uh, 2.2 billion people uh, in the training set? It's, it's a lot of just, unanswered questions. Usually, though, when it's unanswered, it's hard to get a it's hard to get a judgment right. out of it. So, so yep. when it's when it's unknown, like if you don't, if it's hard to prove, you you more have to prove that they did do it rather than that they have to prove that they didn't. Um. So, so the thing is, is that it is I, again. I'm not saying that it's an unwinnable lawsuit. It, every every lawsuit that goes to court is winnable. Um. And so the it, it's just a it's a very difficult and very treacherous way to get to try to get this done. Um, and if they, the problem is again, there is, there is potentially opportunities to negotiate. And now everyone's, now that the lawsuits are out, no one's going to negotiate. They're just going to wait and see what happens. And I think that tactically it was, it's a little dangerous, um, you know, to, to try to get artists, I think probably as a whole would have done better 
with trying to find a way to figure this all out because now everyone's just going to wait and they're going to see how this turns out. And if it, and the, the hard part is, is that once it becomes too widely used, which will, because these, these court cases will take years, it, it'll be hard to take it away, you know, like, you know, and so, and so it, it it's, it's a complicated, yeah. pretty complicated mess, but if they lose, they, the, the amount of money that will go into this will be, you know, eye popping because yeah. everyone's excited about the opportunity and it, once there's once there's uh, cases in in uh, that are that have been you know once it's been decided in at a high enough court of law, like no one's going to talk about no one's going to talk to the artists anymore about what they feel <laughs> if they well, lose. Both Google if they and win, Microsoft then they have a lot of leverage. Both Google and Microsoft now are rolling quickly rolling out text based Chat GPT like Google which they had Apprentice Bard which they've had for a long time is now becoming Bard. Uh, Microsoft right. announced an event on February seventh in which they're going to uh, I think show us what they're going to do with Chat GPT. Yeah, and, they just, uh, and the Google event is I've been, what, I've been trying not morning. to read the recaps of it. Yeah, the Microsoft event was Today's today. Today's the 7th? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little behind the times. Did you watch they're it? Call, they're calling it. Uh, no, I've been, try, it's been, I've been trying not to read it, it during the public. show. It wasn't yeah. It, yeah, but the, the reports, they're calling it an AI-powered co-pilot for the web of, of in, in Bing. Uh, and, of course, I've been under, underpinned by ChatGPT. And, yeah, there's... I'm I'm salivating to, to read exactly what they're doing. I yeah. don't I don't think it's going to be as good. The, the, I, the, I know this. We, we I knew I know this has to be very quick because this isn't a this isn't a Google Microsoft Chat GPT show. But it's like uh, Google Google has been sitting on this for years. They just don't know, they just haven't known like what to do with it. If it was safe to know what to do with this, and so all these reports about how oh Google's getting its its lunch eaten by it's like no we they have they have this this garage full of like fully armed and tactical battle stations and now they have to figure out which ones they're going to charge up and actually deploy so this is going to this is going to be a frisky month i think yeah a very frisky month we will watch with interest uh and i might start using bing who knows i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you know that's the kind of thing that could change everything right it's all of a sudden well, if it stinks, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the chat GPT, for, except for f- very few, it's been great for a bunch of demos that really are, that's fun to play with when you can actually get access to it because it's often overwhelmed. Uh, Google, uh, when they, they had a teaser for what they were talking about and they're saying that not only is it going to be very verified, but also they basically slimmed down their model to make sure that it can handle the load of everybody basically asking everything everywhere all at once, so to speak. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how I'll, I'll I'll use Bing, but I will not use Edge. So <laughs> if it's going to make me use Edge, then the hell with it. Uh, yep. We're going to take a break, come back with your picks of the week, gentlemen. So prepare them while I mention my pick for all of you, which is to join our club. Increasingly important uh, to us to keep the lights on and our staff employed. But I think we put together a pretty nice offering of features for seven bucks a month. Come on, a couple of cups of coffee. You get all of our shows ad-free. You wouldn't even be hearing this if you were a Club Twit member. You get some special stuff that we don't put out in public, like Micah Sargent's Hands-On Macintosher, Hands-On Windows with Paul Throt. They do those every week. We occasionally will put one or two of them on YouTube so you can see what it's like. But uh, if you want the full bore, you gotta you got to join, uh, join the club. We also have the Untitled Linux Show with Jonathan Bennett. We've got uh, the Giz Fizz every Wednesday with Dick D. Bartolo. We've got events coming up in the club, including on uh, Friday. I'm going to interview Daniel Suarez for our triangulation. Club members will get to ask questions. Uh, there's a lot on the club, and I think it's a great deal, especially the fun 
Discord, which really is a big part of what makes the club so great. It's a community of like-minded people, uh, Twit fans, who are really fun to be around. And it's not just chats during the shows, but it's chats in all areas that geeks would be interested in. All of this for 7 bucks a month. Please go to twit.tv slash club twit and join <laughs> join the fun. Twit.tv slash club twit. Uh, it makes a huge difference to us. In fact, it's part of our, I think, going forward, our plan uh, to take uh, twit into the future is is to make it uh, more and more a part of the club. So help us out, will you? Hey, everybody. It's Leo Laporte, the founder and host of many of the uh, twit podcasts. I don't normally talk to you about advertising, but I want to take a moment to do that right now. Uh, Our mission statement at Twit, we're dedicated to building a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. That's our audience. And you, I guess, since you're listening, by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. To do that, we also create partnerships with trusted brands and make important introductions between them and our audience. It's how we finance our podcasts, but it's also, and our audience tells us this all the time, a part of the service we offer. It's a valued bit of information for our audience members. They want to know about great brands like yours. So can we help you by introducing you to our highly qualified audience? And boy, you get a lot with advertising on the Twit Podcasts. Partnering with Twit means you're going to get, if I may say so humbly, the gold standard in podcast advertising. And we throw in a lot of valuable services. You get a full service continuity team supporting everything from copywriting to graphic design. I don't think anybody else does this or does this as well as we do. You get ads that are embedded in our content that are unique every time. I read them, our hosts read them. We always over deliver on impressions. And frankly, we're here to talk about your product. So we really give our listeners a great introduction to what you offer. We've got onboarding services, ad tech with pod sites. That's free for direct clients. We give you a lot of reporting so you know who saw your advertisement. You'll even know how many responded by going to your website. We'll also give you courtesy commercials that you can share across social media and landing pages. We think these are really valuable. People like me and our other hosts talking about your product sincerely uh, and informationally. Those are incredibly valuable. You also get other free goodies, mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent out to thousands of fans. We give bonus ads uh, to people who buy a significant amount of advertising. You'll get social media promotion too. But let me tell you, we are looking for an advertising partner that's going to be with us long term. Visit twit.tv slash advertise. Check out our partner testimonials. Tim Broom, founder of IT Pro TV. They started IT Pro TV in 2013, immediately started advertising with us and grew that company to a, a really amazing success. Hundreds of thousands of ongoing customers. They've been on our network for more than 10 years. And they say, and I'll quote Tim, we would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. That's just one example. Mark McCrary, who's the CEO of Authentic, uh, he was actually uh, one of the first people to buy ads on our network. He's been with us for 16 years. He said, and I'm quoting, the feedback from many advertisers over those 16 years across a range of product categories is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm proud to say 
that the ads we do over deliver, they work really well because they're honest. They have integrity. Our audience trusts us and we say, this is a great product. They believe it. They listen. Our listeners are highly intelligent. They're heavily engaged. They're tech savvy. They're dedicated to our network. And that's partly because we only work with high integrity partners that we have thoroughly and personally vetted. I approve every single advertiser on the network. If you're ready to elevate your brand and you've got a great product, I want you to reach out to us. Advertise at twit.tv. So I want you to break out of the advertising norm, grow your brand with host-read authentic ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details or email us advertise at twit.tv if you're ready to launch your campaign now. All right, Jason Snell, how about a pick of the week this week? I'm going to, uh, I was thinking of a couple of things, some sort of uh, open source stuff. I'm going to go with one that I can't believe hasn't been picked. It turned out to head Merlin Mann picked it like 5,000 episodes ago, <laughs> but it's still there. So I'm going to pick it, which is Caliber. Oh, I love it. Yeah. The ebook utility. I recently, like a couple of years ago, decided to switch from uh, Kindle to Kobo. And I hear from people who are trying to switch from various different things, or they've got a bunch of EPUBs and they want to put them in a, on a Kindle or whatever. And Caliber is a free open source, and yeah, it looks open source. It looks like a Mac app from 2004, but you know, it works great. It's updated constantly. Like literally, if you leave the auto update on every time you launch it, yeah. you will be told that there is team. an update. Yeah, uh, and it's got a plugin architecture. And so I will tell you, you got to do a little searching. You got to look for the DDRM plugin if you if you must, but if you've got a Kindle but you also want to, for example, uh, save that off as a non-DRM'd Kindle book, there are ways to do it. Uh, I I can migrate my Kindle books to my Kobo so I can have them anywhere I want. Uh, when I buy a book that's in uh, EPUB format, I drag it into Caliber and it will format it like all nice and fancy for my Kobo using their Kobo plugin. Uh, the sky's the limit, really. If you've got uh, eBooks, especially books you've downloaded, or you want to migrate off of Kindle or something like that, Caliber does all that stuff. You can also clean up the the, the cover art or change the name of the, the author or do whatever you want to organize it. It's sort of like iTunes for books, except not as you know, it's a, not as nice, and you wouldn't probably want to read them on it. But I plug my I have been plugging my ebook readers into Caliber for more than a decade now in order to move files back and forth. And it actually works great. And yeah, so some of the DRM you have to get plugins to to bypass it, but, but you uh, can it's is just the a great point. <laughs> it's just a great it's just a great yeah. utility. And I'm a I and I'm a firm believer that if I bought the book on Kindle and I want to read it somewhere else, I should be allowed to it's do that. And yeah. Caliber lets me do it. Yeah. Yep. I uh, I have a Caliber project. I've got it because what I do is I buy a lot of books online, especially programming books, and I just put them in Apple's uh, iBooks just because it's there. But that's only on Apple, and I use a lot of, a lot of other systems. So I really have to sit down and con- I have hundreds. I have a whole library of books that yeah. are eBooks, and I got to just convert them all into one format, keep them on a central database. Caliber is easily the way to do it. C a l i b r e dash ebook dot com. Yeah, the big the big secret is if you've got a Kindle, even if it's an older Kindle, what you can do is you put your serial number in to the DRM plugin, and then you can go. I'm just giving away the story here, but a little known fact that your Kindle books can be downloaded directly on your Mac 
yeah. as a file yeah. uh, it, it, they don't they don't want you to do it you have to go find that uh that option but when you do that you can get it out and into a format where it can go anywhere you want and i just again i'm just a believer that amazon doesn't have the right to prevent me from using that book that i bought somewhere else so caliber lets me do that yep really a great tool good recommendation mr andy Anako, pick of the week um i'm one of those freaks who i have i subscribe to music streaming services but my music library is music files that i have on my server what? and on my phone and on my devices exactly I, I i buy cds sometimes a bag of them for five a whole bag of them for five bucks instead of like 10 bucks for the whole thing uh rip them and high i buy high resolution music off of uh, hdtracks.com i i believe that i'd want to be able to own my music to be able to play them and use them on any app I want, any service that I want. Uh, and also, I don't want to have to worry that if I ever get rid of my subscription to Apple Music or Spotify, I will lose all the playlists that I've created. I'll lose all the, the library that I've created. Um, the problem being an Apple user is that uh, Apple Music has kind of crushed the market for, like, offline music players for music players that are based on files <laughs> that are somewhere accessible by your phone or your or your computer um there's an app called vox that i don't like very much because it's just it i just don't like it it's too I'm a expensive long time subscriber to vox i would love to replace it if yeah. you've got a good choice yeah, this is. I found an app recently called Doppler that's been around for uh, for two or three years. It's a it's available for the Mac and for uh, and for the iPhone, and it really is like iTunes 1.0, oh. Meaning it's 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 very very simple but very very powerful. It supports every music format you could possibly you could probably deal with. Uh, it supports high resolution music. It also supports spatial audio. But at its root, it is the simplicity of if you point it at a folder of music that is uh, that's on your uh, that's on your Mac. If you've got an iPhone, you you point it at your Files app and point it at like whatever app is 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 going to be slurping in uh, uh, your music files into it, and then it simply. It's a very, very good modern music player. You can create playlists. It's got album art. It will find the album art for you. Uh, it's, it's got DJ features. Uh, and it's just, again, it's just, it doesn't have to be complicated. As a matter of fact, and you could say that it has to be not complicated in order to work. And it really is for me the best app that I found for the iPhone to get me that sort of thing where I have, again, I've, I've, I've got, uh, I want to put like eight gigabytes worth of music files on my, on my phone, uh, and I'd just be able to play it. Uh, now I know that, uh, if you are listening, you're thinking, well, who cares? Like, uh, even Apple Music will let you deal, let you import like uh, music files. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's, it's like the Borg. It will, it, it will, they will, they will cease to be, it, they'll be like this, this, this walking undead thing where <laughs> maybe, maybe it's your music files. Maybe it's files that say, Oh, well, he wouldn't want to, st to stream these, these actual files. He'd want to get this off of Apple music. And you have no idea whether you've, what, what parts of your library are stuff that you own, what parts of your library are stuff that you're streaming. I will. And also I still don't trust Apple music to do it anything i don't want it to touch my uh, my actual files uh, music library i've got uh, i've got thousands and thousands of albums i've got something like 18,000 19,000 uh, music tracks that are in there and if and if any app were to screw this up 
uh, I would instantly I, I would find new sources of hate and apply it to that uh, to that thing very, very quickly. Doppler, it's very, very simple. It's straightforward. Uh, you can even import stuff uh, via Wi-Fi so that if you're like on a, a Windows machine and you just want to upload something from like a, 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 from, from a from USB key, if you put a USB key into uh, your iPhone, it'll work from there. I can't, it really, I can't make it sound, uh, I don't want to make it sound complicated because it isn't. It is exactly what I was looking for. Just like here is, here, here is some music. Uh, if you, you know, it won't even necessarily have to build its own Doppler library. If you want to just simply say, leave it in place, just play it from there, create a directory for your own needs so you can access it very quickly. Uh, and it's not very, not very expensive. It's uh, seven bucks after a seven day free trial on, on the iPhone. No iPad version. It'll, it'll run as an iPhone app on your iPad. The Mac version is kind of spendy. It's like 30 bucks, but I'm happy to spend it if it means that, again, I get a very, very good uh, full-featured, full-throated music player uh, that will not tamper with my stuff. I can act, I have, I have actually have a Sony Walkman with a 512 gigabyte uh, micro SD card, and I just simply plug my plug my 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 walkman uh into my into my macbook use it as like a mass storage device and then doppler simply plays the music and plays a playlist off of the storage that's inside there that's exactly what i want and i, I can't believe how frustrated i got when i set up the uh, iphone 14 pro and tried to make it a daily driver when it was just so damn difficult to say i don't even i don't even want you to get the entire library just this one like eight gigabyte uh, folder full of stuff just let me nope nope you have to import it no you have to do this like no i don't want you to do this i wish i'd found doppler back then because it's exactly what i wanted now i want to combine your pick with uh jason's pick and do something for audiobooks that would be the same way <laughs> right so i could oh. you know oh so because there it is possible to strip the copy protection of audiobooks but i would like to have them in a i don't know dropbox or somewhere and be able to play them from anywhere and, and and have the features of audiobooks which is you stop and you start where you stopped yeah you mentioned something a couple of years ago that was a pick but i don't think it ever really emerged uh i've been following it closely and it never never product productized so if somebody ever comes up with one of those let me know alex Lindsay, i'm gonna before you do your pick of the week i am going to show you a pick i think you should buy it's only half an alex it's called the monocle at brilliant monocle brilliantmonocle.com a pocket-sized AR device it's kind of like i think it's kind of like the google glass prism screen but you it's a monocle <laughs> and it's hackable cuz it's, it's open source so you could you could yeah hold on so I don't know. Who I want. It? I uh, it's just. Uh, I don't know if anybody makes it. It's open source. It's uh, brilliantmonocle.com, but it is three hundred fifty oh, yeah. bucks. That's why I want you to buy it. Um, <laughs> and it's fifteen grams, two hour battery, uh, and you just you just can. I don't know what you do with it. You can just do something with it. I think it's the it's something that you have to figure it out. Like it's yeah it's yeah, like yeah it doesn't we will do give anything. You an, yeah, an OS or yeah. something to integrate. It's the Raspberry Pi of monocles, yeah. is what it is. So which we've long it's, hated. It's so, it's, 
it's so typical of like modern like AR. It's like, hi, we've developed the groundbreaking hardware. Please buy it, write software for it, tell us what it's useful for, and then let us use that to hopefully uh, figure out how to sell this thing. It supports a a version of Python called MicroPython that you can use to to program it. Flash your monocle. Anyway, uh, don't flash your monocle. Just do your pick of the week, if you would. Um, One minor micro pick. Uh, I'm testing new camera. So I've been Ooh. testing it for the show. It looks um, good. This is what is it? Yeah, yeah. This is the Sony FR7. So oh. they they sent me a test, a test unit to play with. So for the next this week and next week, I'll probably be on it. Um, haven't done any real color correction. So this is like just what the camera does when it turns on. Um, and uh, it looks good. And it is. It really yeah, looks it's good. A PT- it's a PTZ. Yeah. So um, I can't. I don't have it hooked up yet to the controller. There's a controller for like. There's a. There is a controller for it. Um, what? And, uh, <laughs> and then there's also, but what's even cooler, though, is um, there is an iPad version. So ah. this is a this is an iPad, like, wireless connected to... Can you drag um, your finger and point it and stuff? When I when I balance the camera, because oh, I, put, nice. I I got it last night late, and you I put it together this morning, and I, and I was like, eh, as long as it's got an image, you know, I'll be make inter- it work. Pruitt picked this uh, on This Week in Google when they announced it. I think he'd be very interested to hear about your experience with this. Yeah, it's it it looks um again, it's uh I've been looking for it's got the same sensor as the FX six. And I had talked about it early on when it first came out, like going, Well, we'll have to see how it turns out. But I'm pretty uh you know, These pretty Sony impressed sensors with it so are far. Amazing. Yeah, they're really yeah, so good. it's a great Sony sensor and yeah. it it's full frame sensor, but it's a PTZ, so we can actually control it. what Sony puts on their website about how you're gonna use it is cuckoo in my opinion they, like they i don't like know have if putting i would actually, it on a jib and then it's film and it's on a jib and, and the thing is is that i think that there's but for a studio what i'm testing it for, for is i want to be able to do yeah exactly i mean yeah. well if i should bring it up how much is it hang on let, let me take let me take a big big mouthful of water before you tell me this with a lens or without the lens i guess is the question uh it might be uh, ten grand. So, so the, um, so, the uh, so anyway, uh, but you would look amazing. You would look amazing, Leo. So, so anyway, I just um, should have one for should... me, is what you're saying. The rest of you screw you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you could just use it for that close up. You'd have to figure out the color and everything else. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so um, the uh, but I think for studios like Twit or but uh, studio uh, when we do interview things and we want to come in, we've got. I wanted to see what it looked like and how hard it is to run and. Everything else, and it looks it looks pretty good. Anyway, I'm, I'm not I, I'm not ready to say it's a pick yet because I just got, I literally got it last night. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so to I'm see only going to have it for two it. weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then, but the, my pick is I was I, I was looking for a knot, and I searched uh, I searched for and I just for, I, you know I forgot about the I was looking for a knot that I needed for a like K N O T a like a yeah. for a sailor knot. Okay, and. And the thing is, is that you always know, like when you're doing a bad knot, you always know. Oh yeah, I know there's a knot built there's for this, and I'm not this. using it, and <laughs> yeah. it's foolish, and I should I should study it. And so, so I jumped on the web, and I ended up on this web page, and then I clicked on it, and I realized that I had bought it at some point already because it was just go ahead and download it. Yes, um, this is Grog Knots, and and I looked at, I, I realized that after that, I I had a, um, I'd seen it before, and and I'd used it a, a fair bit years ago, and um. And so it I think it has surgical knots. If you, uh, you know, you ever, it has, stuck. I mean, it has hundreds of knots. How like to tie literally it? Hundreds tie. Of knots. It has neckties. Well, that's, that's a knot. It's a knot. Oh um, my God. And, you know, and so, so it's got all, and it, so you can go to the webpage and it has a lot of them on the webpage and you can kind of see every step. I like the fact that they, you know, they have different colors for the thing, but it, 
it actually is just it's it's a, it's very clear and um and you you should always know what i know which is that there's always that if you're ever making a knot somebody thought of it before like i guarantee it like you think that you're the only one that has ever done that knot probably not <laughs> so so it's probably somebody who thought of it sometime and it probably they thought of it probably 500 years ago um at least a couple hundred years ago um and all those knots are in one place that you can put on your phone or ipad or whatever and it just and I, I I spent like an hour just digging through this, and then I had two pieces of paper. Like I was like, oh, I finally because I was trying to. Yeah, anyway. So if you go to animatednots.com, you can see all the different uh, apps uh, they have, and I have uh, I have this app too. As a matter of fact, it's a great app. Yeah, yeah. So, I feel like someday anyway. if I have some time, I should learn some knots. <laughs> you just again it's, I, I have all these things that i tied up and i was like as i was doing it i was like this is stupid i'm not oh, doing these very yeah. well um it's there's I, probably yeah. five knots if you knew those five you'd be pretty yeah. good i would guess like you know a clove mm-hmm. hitch and I don't half know, yeah half hitch yeah yeah you gotta know your roadman slipknot that's 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 the one good hangman's that's, that's, noose. That's the, yeah, all, all that's, the important that's, ones. That's the one where if you're trying to get way too much lumber on the top of your car home oh. from the home center, <laughs> you, you basically it, it's tight. You can dog it down really good, and then it just comes apart with one tug on the right on the right. So uh, that's sheet how of it. I know you're a uh, what, man, what, what, Andy. What, yeah, now what's go, that one you called? You know that. I do. I would do admit I have a knot that I do that I haven't found in the app, and it sounds like what you're talking about. Um, I, I learned it as the roadman slip knot. As a kid, because yeah, I, 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 I tie green screens in a very specific way yeah. and I can't find it. I can't name it. But what it is, is I wrap it twice and then go around and through. And if I pull it to the side, it'll just open up again. But it, it'll hold that green screen right. forever. It's it, there's a, there, there are a class of knots where you're basically uh, the knot is binding on a loop that you've that you put yeah. through the loop. And so mm-hmm. that basically once you basically undo that, that loop, this yeah. The whole thing gets free, but yeah, it's I my 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 dad and I were like the unlicensed home contractors for like the entire extended family. We we would make lots of very very sketchy trips with very 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 <laughs> ill advised loads on the top of a car that was not designed for such a thing. Uh, and the third time we the third time I was on found myself on one on the right side of one twenty eight trying to get a piece of plywood to be centered back on the Dodge. I learned this knot. Is it? Is it this? Is it this? Is the uh, the roadman slip knot? They, they just call it a regular everyday slip knot. Is that it? No, uh, that's not it. No, that's not it. Okay, that's a regular slip, slip knot. Slip I'll, knot. I'll, I'll I'll find it. I'll make a pick of the week. Is it the <laughs> surgical slip tie? You, gotta, you have to wear rubber <laughs> gloves to do it. I don't know. Is it the non-slip <laughs> mono knot? I don't see. Know. There's so many options. There's so many yeah. good knots in the world. It's all, you know, topology is what it is. That's what it is. Yep. I looked up Roadman's slip knot and it uh it didn't know that. Let me maybe okay. if I do trucker's knot. Could be called something like that. Cuz it's kind of, you know, I have to, I have to admit. Again, here's I, the I, learned, I learned hitch. it when I was like Is that it? That's yeah, that's that that looks like it. Yeah, it's a valuable a knot, knot usually used for securing loads or tarpaulins. <laughs> yeah. It's the trucker's hitch or the trucker's hitch quick release. Maybe you prefer that. 
All right, now we can spend a whole show. Maybe we should do this week in knots, but maybe not. What do you interview someone oh, about the knots? Like, not. It could be, it could be oh, like a, no. there's a YouTube channel there where you interview <laughs> freaks and you talk. You talk about like, okay, well, this is the this is the clove hitch, and this comes goes back to the Phoenicians and the you know we the it's first history time of we knots. Saw it referred to it was this, and this is what you use. Where it for. do you learn your seamanship, lad? And you got to cut if, if there ain't no on a ship, ship shank. You got to you got to cut to a ship. You got to cut to a ship of like how they would use it, and they use Arr. it in sail. And I think I think that would be a great channel. Great channel. <laughs> Alex Lindsay's got a great channel. It's called, and I think maybe there'll be a nut show coming up on Office Hours. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> How far can he push it, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, OfficeHours.global is free and open to all. If you go to the website, you'll see all the things they've done and are about to do. And you can we had get Doc to, Rock on on Monday. Oh, I love Doc Rock talking about the new eCam. Probably yes. He was just talking about communities in general. So oh. he, he on Monday he was he, he mentioned eCam, but and talked about it a little bit. But uh, he's wonderful. Um, yeah, he uh, he was he, he, yeah. he did great. Yeah. Ruthless reviews coming up Wednesday. Yeah, those are fun because you get to you get to just listen to us pick at each other. Oh. Like literally, the ruthless review is that someone comes on and they say, "Well, the audio is just a little thin," oh. and oh. and so as we get better, it's uh, we, good. we push it pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, all sorts of good stuff. Understanding alpha channels this morning. You can join the Zoom yeah. if you want to participate, or you can just watch it after the fact. Best place to start for the whole thing: officehours.global. And of course, if you want to hire Alex for your next streaming event. Zero nine zero dot media. Andy Anako, when are you going to be on GBH next? I'm off this week, but I'm on next Friday at uh, twelve thirty at the Boston Public Library. You can stream it live or later at wgbhnews.org. And I must ask you, as I am often told by our fabulous club twitters, when is Anako.com launching? Uh, thank you for keeping the thank you for keeping <laughs> the pressure the on. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh, I've I've got most of the new content actually loaded up. Now I just basically have to decide that I've, whatever the design is, it's the design. I'm not going to be able to. No change more it. fussing. Yeah. All right. Yeah, exactly. I asked. Thank you. Thank no. Thank you for your, thank you for your interest. <laughs> it does it does keep me honest because I'm like, oh god, I, I know I know I know I have to do this. I know I have to make a bunch of decisions and actually wire some things up. And it's like, oh, or I could just stare outside the window. Ooh, look, there's a doggy. Hey, doggy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that keeps, it keeps me working on it. Thank you very much. And, of course, the man with all the colors. Well, at least six of them from sixcolors.com. There's only five Apple product categories, so I've really got a, co a color to spare if they invent something new. <laughs> You're ready. Uh, sixcolors.com slash Jason for all the many various things he does. He wears a coat of many colors. Uh, and at Jason Snell on the uh, Twitterverse. Thank you always, Jason. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you uh, Alex. Thank you, Andy. Thanks to all of you for joining us. We do Mac Break Weekly on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, right after iOS today. You know, start your day with with uh, Micah and Rosemary and then continue through with Mac Break Weekly and then Security Now to wrap it up. I, oh, and all about Android. It's a great Tuesday's a great day for technology on uh, Twit, live.twit.tv, any time of the day or night to see what's going on. If you're watching live, chat live in our IRC, irc.twit.tv, or on our Club Twit Discord. After the fact, downloadable versions of the show, audio and video, available at twit.tv slash mbw. You can also find a YouTube channel dedicated to Mac Break Weekly. In fact, probably the easiest way to do that is go to the Twit YouTube channel, youtube.com slash twit. There's links to all the other shows from there. 
Uh, and maybe the easiest thing of all, subscribe. And that way you'll get it automatically the minute it's available because it's a podcast. Just get your favorite <laughs> podcast app and, and subscribe. There you go. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate you being here. We'll see you next time. Now get back to work because break time is over. Bye-bye. Oh, hey, that's a really nice iPhone you have there. You totally picked the right color. Hey, since you do use an iPhone and maybe use an iPad or an Apple Watch or an Apple TV, well, you should check out iOS Today. It's a show that I, Micah Sargent, and my co-host Rosemary Orchard host every Tuesday right here on the Twit Network. It covers all things iOS, tvOS, HomePodOS, watchOS, iPadOS. It's all the OSs that Apple has on offer. And we love to give you tips and tricks about making the most of those devices, checking out great apps and services, and answering your tech questions. I hope you check it out.